Watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere with Hulu Plus on your TV or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. Shows like Family Guy, Once Upon a Time, New Girl, Scandal, and even a ton of the past classic Survivor seasons. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com slash Rob. That's a better deal than what LJ got from Trish and Tony last night. So go ahead and try it out for two weeks free at HuluPlus.com slash R-O-B. Coming to you my apartment it's rob has a podcast and now here's the guy who just got a message that the twerk store called and they're running out of you rob sesternino hello everybody and welcome back to rob has a podcast thursday edition it's our big interview show our marathon rhap that we do every week and we've got another really good one for you guys today. Here's what we've got on the lineup today. We're going to start off and we're going to talk to the winner of Survivor Philippines, a woman who was on a tribe that got decimated and then there was a tribe swap and the whole story turned out very positively for her. Denise Stapley will be joining us here on Rob as a Podcast. Then we're going to do a segment called This Week in Survivor History, which has been uh tearing up the Rob has a website the last couple of weeks. So Jordan Kalish is going to join us for a uh, moment in this survive this week in survivor history. And then we're going to uh, speak with uh, my buddy pod Vader, the award winning podcast producer from ESPN. He produces uh, all of the ESPN or most of the ESPN uh, sports podcasts. He is a uh, multiple podcast award winner himself, and he's going to join us. A big Survivor fan, big Rob is a podcast fan, and he's going to join us to take your voicemails and look at the Survivor social media. Last night, Stephen Fishback and I talked about everything on the Survivor Know-It-Alls. Uh, we had a uh, fun conversation trying to figure out what was going on with Tony, why he ended up switching his vote. We also had some visual aids to help explain what's going on with the new tribe. So definitely, this is one, if you've never checked out the video version of Survivor Know-It-Alls, this might be one to check out because we did some cool stuff with trying to figure out who was going where after the tribe swap. Then this morning, I spoke with Cliff Robinson, and Cliff was uh, pretty good this morning. So if you want to check out my interview with Cliff Robinson, you could check that out as well on robhasawebsite.com. And of course, if you're subscribed to the podcast, you know that you don't miss a thing. So go ahead, and if you click on the podcast tab on robhasawebsite.com, you can see all the different ways to subscribe to the individual show feeds or the Rob Has a Podcast main feed, which you can get in iTunes anytime at robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes, and we always appreciate the subscriptions and the comments on iTunes. So real quick, before we get to Denise, a couple of news items. I told you last week that Survivor beat American Idol for the first time ever last week. It happened again last night. Survivor is now two weeks in a row beating the American Idol. And some news about the Survivor finale dropped today. Dalton Ross had on Entertainment Weekly that there was an exclusive that the Survivor finale is actually moving off of Sunday night, which where it has been... Since uh, I think the first Sunday night Survivor finale was in Survivor Marquesas, the Rosie O'Donnell finale, then it was back on the regular Thursday night on Survivor 
Thailand, and then for the Amazon, it went back to Sunday night. And basically, since Survivor the Amazon, the, the Survivor finale has always been on a Sunday night, but not this season. This season, the Survivor finale is going to be a three-hour block on a Wednesday night, which I believe is Wednesday, May 21st. So, of course, we'll, we will have live coverage for you guys after the Survivor finale on a, on a school night. Well, I guess Survivor's on a school night on a Sunday night, too, but on a Wednesday night on May 21st. So, that's, uh, I guess, only how many weeks from today? I don't know, eight or nine weeks away. So we will uh, bring that to you as well. So just a heads up. So no Survivor Sunday night finale. And I would say, if I was going to say uh, podcasting, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I will say it's a net positive because I feel like sometimes that podcast that we do after the Wednesday ep- episode, that's the next to last episode. Sometimes that one gets a little bit of a short shrift, a little bit of a, because we're, you know, we do that podcast and then we go right into the finale so at least uh we have a a, a nice regular weekly schedule of podcasting after that so that's that's how i'm looking at the survivor wednesday night versus sunday night flip all right everybody our guest here today is the right person at the right time exactly the person that we want to talk to this week to talk about all things tribe swap and how you can go from being down in the numbers at the tribe swap to getting all the way to the end to winning the game here she is she's the winner of survivor philippines please welcome back denise stapley how are you denise Hey, I'm doing great, Rob. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Denise. Uh, Very good to have you back. It's been about a year since we had you on RHAP. Exactly. I got to chat up a little bit about Malcolm when he was on, and this is like the best time to get to talk to you. That was a, it's, we're just at a great point in the season, so yes. excited to be back. Good. Very excited to have you uh, back. We were trying to get you on a, a Google Hangout, and then uh, we were. I felt a little bit like Russell Swan trying to get, get everything to work, and ultimately, this is just going to be an audio-only interview today. That's all right. I'll take part of the blame. I'm still a bit, a bit uh, technologically challenged, so I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, you were say, you were telling me before that you only got a a <laughs> you only switched to a smartphone from a flip phone after you won Survivor. Well, I'll even have to clarify that. I only, after enough hassling from Malcolm, switched from a flip phone so that I could text onto kind of a smartphone, but I didn't have anything enabled. And it was only after that phone died in January that I upgraded to an actual smartphone, <laughs> like that I can actually use. So, so it was a year I, after you yeah. won, you got a smartphone. A year. Yeah, we're, we're kind of slow, slow movers. You know, that's how we do it in the Midwest, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll eventually come around. It just, it just takes me a while. Well, Denise, happy to have you on that. I know you tell me that all the time you've been listening. You've been hearing everything we've been saying about the seasons. I have. And I'd love, yeah, I, I actually, I was debated whether or not I should uh, listen and watch to the know-it-alls after this last episode, but I do. That's what I do Thursday mornings. I get up and I download everything and I either go for my run or, you know, listen to it in the car. So yeah, I love hearing you guys break it down and all the different recaps. So this is, this is my, yeah, this is, that's what I listen to. So how many miles does it take to get through the Thursday episode of the podcast? You know, usually it would take me, it, it takes me two runs. If I only listen, because I'm a short, short uh, distance runner. So I only get about 30 minutes in on my morning runs. So I get through about usually about half of it and then I'll finish it on the way to work. Or, you know, once I get into the office and I'm unloading stuff, I'll listen to you guys in the background and, you know, kind of have that going or when I'm getting ready in the morning. So kind of, it, I, I get to piece it together. So unfortunately, <laughs> it's not usually a full straight shot, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's hard to consume all in one sitting. 
It is, you know, a little bit at a time, you know. <laughs> That's good. A little bit here. All right, so let's talk about this swing in the game. And really, it was very reminiscent of you guys, although sort of a little bit of a different story, whereas in Survivor Philippines, there was three tribes, and you guys lost four people, where the Brains tribe only lost three and you guys each got split up and they sent you to go off with Penner and Malcolm to go off with Scoopin and his group. And both of you guys managed to make it through unscathed. This is a little bit of a different story where the three brains tribe threw a feat of a stroke of luck. They end up with their three people intact and they add through they th- the beauty tribe, which ironically with we saw a chicken without its head off last week. Uh, this beauty tribe was like a chicken without its head off. And then Sarah gets thrown in here, who I pegged from the preseason. I felt like uh, was my Denise from this season. So let's talk about the the beauty tribe and talk about the strength that they have in their numbers when it looked like that was their biggest weakness. Do you mean the the strength and the the brains or the strength and the beauty? Because yeah, they're split. You know, in that new tribe, it's the three. You know, three, did I say beauty? I'm, I'm I mean brains or brains. Yeah, you know, definitely. I think that's the best thing that could have happened to them is to have you know the three of them together, and they probably seem like the most level headed in that group. And so for them, you know, getting mixed in and having Sarah as that swing, and I think a pretty level headed thinker. You know, I think it's I think it's a good thing for them. You know, for the beauties, I think it's it's possibly disaster. I think they're going to just disintegrate because um, they started throwing each other under the bus immediately. But you know, as far as the brains, I think it's a good thing for them. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Now, unlike you and Malcolm, who were split apart, they get to stay together. Do you feel like it would have been again? It couldn't have worked out better for you. But do you think it would have been uh, the same? If you and Malcolm had ended up on the same tribe, let's say they did some sort of a similar situation where, okay, we're going to pull buffs out of the thing, and then half of you guys are going to go to Tandang, and half of you guys are going to go to Calabaw, and you ended up on the same group. Do you feel like uh, that would have worked out well for you guys, or that would have made you guys a bigger target? You know, I don't know. In in my mind, you know, I, th- I think it would have possibly made us a bigger target because it was so much easier for us to really keep that alliance kind of quiet. You know, I never even really, when I was in Calabao, you know, I really kind of did that dance around, you know, how much do I really say about how how connected we are, how close we are. And so it was, you could use it a little bit more as a leveraging tool to get in with a new alliance in the tribe um, versus being on the same tribe and, yeah, and having a target and looking like this pair or possibly coming across, you know, as a pair in the game. Um, so I'm not sure. You know, I think I think it could go both ways. It depends on so many different factors. But, you know, think being split again, I don't think it was a bad thing for us at all. Now, we saw in both of the tribes last night that there were the beauty tribe. They were all scrambling. And then the other people from the beauty tribe with LJ and Jeffra, they were sort of off scrambling and basically like, oh boy, we're going to be the next ones to go here. We better pull something out of our hat. When you first got to Calabaw and you were the only person not from that group, was your impulse to scramble or was your impulse to sort of not panic? Impulse was to slow down. That was the first thing was just slow down. It was like going into a, you know, going to someone's house. 
that's the only thing I could equate it to. You know, it's like I wanted to be a good guest, so I didn't want to come in and kind of steamroll. I just kind of tried to figure out, you know, what the culture of the tribe was, how they did things. And then you just start paying attention and listening to things. And, and that's exactly what I think LJ, you know, like you said, you know, LJ and Jeffrey did, LJ especially, just kind of sat back and he started listening, you know, for the cracks and, and where there was a little bit of, bit of wiggle room. And that was much more my inclination at, at Calabo was to, to just slow down. And, and be patient. Did you now you were slowing down externally, but internally were you feeling the pressure or did you start to notice cracks there and start to say, Okay, I may be fine here after all? You know, I don't I don't know that I ever thought that I felt fine. <laughs> definitely. So internally I was revved up. Externally, you know, definitely tried to stay stay calm, but I noticed, you know, there were things immediately at Calabau. You know, there were you know, the three girls kind of versus the three guys. And, you know, I think the girls were kind of driving some of the guys a little bit crazy. And I tend to, to be maybe a little bit more mas- on the masculine side. Um, so it was easier for me to at least connect with, you know, Jeff Kent and um, Jonathan. And so it just, it, you just, you know, I, I just started paying attention to that. And it became apparent really quickly, you know, that there was hopefully a little bit of wiggle room, but it wasn't until after Dana was medevac that I really felt a little bit more comfortable, like, okay, I think now I can really prove, you know, that there's some some merit and some value in keeping me over the other two girls. Yeah, that was a big thing that ended up changing what how that went down over there because they had their full strength. It was it was three and three and then they had then Dana ended up uh, having the the medevac thing, but was there talk of was did the girls feel like they were at the bottom and they wanted to bring you over to sort of create a girls alliance there? They did, and and that's you know we you I know I heard you and Stephen both talk about this today. You know it's they they did they started talking about you know hey kind of an all girl alliance right away from the start, and of course. I would agree with them and say, oh, yeah, you know, because, again, there's, you know, you don't want to rule out any one, any option or opportunity. And I didn't want to put myself on the outs with the with the women, you know, right from the start. So you do you start kind of playing both sides of the fence right off the bat um, and entertaining any option. Now, on the other side with the the former Apari tribe or the new Apari tribe, so you had those three people, each of them basically trying to kiss up to the Brains tribe and recognizing that that, that threesome was who they needed to pair up. And I thought it was ironic that we didn't see Sarah at all. We saw... Uh, we saw Jeremiah, we saw Alexis, and we saw Morgan each sort of throwing the other beauty tribe members under the bus. But Sarah was the one that we didn't see trying to suck up to the brains tribe. Do you feel like this was a, a positive thing for her or a negative thing? Well, you know, that it makes me wonder just what we didn't see, because I can't imagine that she's just sitting back and not engaging, you know, at all, that somehow she's having some conversation or again, she's just patiently stepping back and kind of letting things unfold, you know, so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we didn't hear anything from her because there was already kind of this tone set from the moment they arrived to the camp, you know, when she outed Morgan about the, the, the idol clue. And so, you know, I think part of it may be just her sitting back, or at least I hope, and her kind of taking it in and looking where, you know, where the, the most solid move for her will be. But yeah, we didn't hear anything from her. So I'm not, I'm honestly not totally sure what to make of it. Yeah. Stephen and I were talking about this last night about we're not sure what her best move is 
right now, where her head is at. Does she say, hey, let me work with these three brains because that, you know, then I'll, I'll get them in with me and maybe I'll bring them into what in her mind is her, Tony, Trish and Wu over okay. on the Braun tribe. Or is she saying, hey, let me go and does I guess the question is, who does she think is the threat? At the merge, does is she still in the mindset that Braun is like, forget about the brains tribe. They're going to be a pushover. It's the beauty tribe that we have to be concerned with. See, and I, I and I'm not sure, you know, I think in terms of who she thinks is going to be a threat, you know, I think she's going to be looking, you know, I think somewhere in her mind, she's got to be thinking about Tony, even though she's aligning with him. I hope there's some part in her brain that is seeing him as a threat post-merge, you know, but also, you know, players like LJ that she's going to figure out are much more strategic than they may just look or appear because of being on the beauty tribe. Um, but yeah, you know, in terms of threats in her own, you know, I think quickly she's going to figure out, you know, Cass and Spencer and Tasha all are really, I mean, they're, they really do have, you know, that strategy going, you know, and, you know, Tasha, Tasha's got some strength. I mean, we saw in the challenge last night, she's got, she's got a little bit of brawn in her. So they've got kind of this package that can get pulled out. Yeah, I'm worried about Sarah with this Tony business because, you know, you were lucky that you made an alliance with Malcolm and it turns out that he's a good guy and he wasn't like trying to screw you over the whole time and, and you could take him at his word. But, you know, I think she thinks like, oh, great, I found my Malcolm here and this guy is telling her the wrong thing. And she now she's going around trying to get Cliff Robinson out of the game and he wasn't even coming after her. And so I feel like for Sarah, she... I, I, we haven't seen any sense that she has doubts about Tony. No, it's, she had the doubts initially. And then it's like, where'd they go? So again, I don't know if, is there something we're just not seeing? Um, or is it just, you know, that, that commonality, you know, you find that one thing that connects you and then, you know, you do, you just trust implicitly, but you know what? I don't think it's that different. You know, I, I really don't think it's that different than Malcolm. The only thing that's different is I don't believe that Malcolm ever, in our season told me a lie to kind of get me um, to throw somebody else under the bus or to kind of divert the, the target. That's really the only difference because, you know, just like Sarah, I trusted Malcolm implicitly, you know, and he could have been, you know, and clearly we know after the fact he was trying to get me out much sooner than I was trying to get him out. So I don't know. I mean, other than kind of the sneaky kind of definitely the, the lie that he's thrown to her, you know, it's really similar. So I'm just hoping, you know, even if she, if it's the same thing, that at some point at the right moment, she picks up on it, you know, and then is, is able to make a move at that point. Speaking of Tony, I want to talk about this decision last night. So seemingly throughout the episode, he was going to stay with the Braun group. He was going to vote with, with Cliff Robinson, with Wu, with Lindsay, and, they were going to take out the two guys from the beauty tribe and sort of like, uh, I don't know if you want to say Tandang esque, but Mm -hmm. you have this group that has the numbers, but is fractured. And now they want to take these two people from the beauty tribe and they want to turn on cliff. But I didn't understand. And I still don't understand what was the motive for Tony to take out cliff at this point in time. You know, I, I don't know that he had to do it right now, but the motive, I can understand the motive, though. If his closest alliance, and I think I heard you and Stephen also talk about this a little bit last night, too, was, you know, with Trish, or at least Stephen, I think, you know, uh, Trish's really, other than Sarah, at least from what we saw, 
Trish was Tony's next closest ally, you know, and so in terms of keeping her comfortable, you know, you always want to keep that alliance comfortable. And given, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think of even, it, it reminds me of when I work with couples, the person who's the most checked out of the relationship has the most power. And so Trish was the potentially the most checked out. I mean, obviously she was ready to bail and ready to, to shift that. And so to stay with her and to kind of keep that alliance solid, I think he had to. I think he had to go with her. And even though I don't think he consciously was thinking this, I do think it's beneficial for his alliance with Sarah long-term because even if they, you know, he doesn't, isn't intending it, can that look like he's supporting the lie that he told her that Cliff is now gone and it kind of supports the lie, you know, that, that, you know, breaking up that, that partnership between, you know, Cliff and Lindsay plus, you know, Cliff and Lindsay are, you know, they're this very apparent pair or they were this very apparent pair. So I don't know, you know, I, is it, I, I, I liked it. Honestly, I kind of liked it because it was kind of a, it was a gutsy move to do. I don't know if it's going to play out in his favor, but you know, I, I did do, you know, Lindsay and Cliff kind of trying to run the show and, you know, in, if he would have stayed with, with the bronze, solid bronze. It just seemed like such a departure from what was going on in the episode to that point that at the end of the immunity challenge, you had Tony saying that, uh, okay, I guess that LJ is going to be the next one to go because he's not from our tribe. And so then they go ahead and then, and Trish comes to him and says, Hey, here, like, uh, here's what we need to do. And, uh, he's like, no, why would I do that? That's crazy. Why would I vote out? Why would I vote with LJ? I don't even know him. And then we get to tribal council and he votes out Cliff. I know, but don't you wonder, like, what, what didn't we see? What conversation didn't we see? I mean, obviously, you know, something, you know, whether or not a conversation between LJ and Tony or just another conversation between Trish and Tony, but, you know, even that, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, how that connects with, you know, there was a time when, you know, in, after we had merged, I thought, oh, it's got to be tonight. We have to vote out Abby tonight. She has to go. She has to go. She has to go. And I remember Malcolm saying, she's going to go. But just be patient. Just stick with me. Trust me. And again, there's that implicit trust in your alliance. And so maybe, you know, there's just some piece of that, you know, and Trish saying, you know, just, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, it, I think there's something we didn't see because you're right. He seemed unsure of it. And then he went with the vote or unless he heard something else at that tribal council we've, we've seen already before. Shockingly, people have been changing their mind at tribal council. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe Tony's joining the ranks on that. Well, I brought this up to Cliff Robinson because I said to him this morning that I felt like the smoking gun was that LJ didn't play his idol. And I don't understand why. I feel like there was so much, such a good possibility that Tony wasn't going to flip. And I don't understand why he didn't play his idol. And Cliff Robinson had said that he felt like Tony had earlier in the tribal council that there something had come up, whether it was what Lindsay had said or what. But he felt like that Tony changed his vote at tribal council, which... In, you know, I always feel like that it doesn't happen, but it, it is happening more and more. This is a phenomenon, Denise. I, I know, and it, which I know it didn't happen ever in our season. And I, I can't imagine just making that, you know, jumping ship, you know, right there. But I think you're right. Something, something was said, something was heard that tweaked his ear. And, and he, yeah, because for LJ, we were screaming. I thought for sure LJ was going home. There was no doubt. I thought, oh, you know, I was mid-tweet thinking, he's, he's out of here. And then I was in shock. 
that, yeah, he didn't play it and he didn't go home. If people are changing their votes more at tribal council, is this a sign that survivors are playing better or survivors are playing worse if they're changing votes at tribal council? Well, it, you know, if, 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 we had to play, if I had to play again, it, would, it makes me nervous because it makes you wonder how much you can trust your alliances. You know, if people are willing to, you know, I mean, it, it makes them definitely riskier, you know, or more risk taking. I don't know if it makes them better because, again, it, it depends on how it plays out. You know, how is it going to turn? You know, we've yet to see how it'll play out for the brains, you know, with them, you know, deciding between Jatia and Spencer, which I do think was a good decision. But, you know, it, it we don't know for the long run how it's going to play out. But definitely it makes them, you know, it's riskier. Yeah, I think it's kind of a inflection point in the show between, and I think it really came to a head with last season with the the Hayden thing, where hey, let's why don't we just force a tie here and let's let's draw the rocks. And I think that for the longest time on Survivor, people just sort of like went through the motions. Okay, I know what I've decided. We decided what we're going to do today, and we'll go to tribal council, and we have to just sit through the press conference of Jeff's questions. But everybody knows what they're going to do, and now I feel. Feel like it's more and more that you have to actually listen at tribal council and you know that hey this isn't a, a done deal and maybe things jeff is talking about or maybe somebody has an answer that i don't really like and i'm going to wait until the last second to you know cast my vote and i might end up doing something that is in my best interest and not talking it through with the people that i'm with and i feel like even as a viewer for the longest time like okay i'm sort of checked out during tribal council because i know nothing that they say is really going to impact what they're what they're going to do um but if people are really changing their votes at tribal council then that changes how i look at tribal council as a viewer that's a great point i think actually you know and as you said i think Absolutely. It changes it as a viewer and you are, you're more engaged and you have to be, like you said, as a, as a participant in the game, you have to stay more engaged because the game is changing. You know, it's the difference between old school, new school, and then I don't know what we call this. You know, it's, it's definitely different. Postmodern. And, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's good. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to go back to a tribal council that you were involved in that was somewhat reminiscent of this for me. So I think it was the sixth episode of Survivor Philippines. And I guess it was the one where they, I guess Dawson got voted out or maybe it was the one. Oh no, Katie, Katie, Katie got voted out. And so that it, it was, you know, a similar situation where the episode, the editing seemed to imply that Penner was going to be the one to go. And Jeff Kent was going to vote out Penner. And of course, he had the idol, sort of like LJ. And then they, hey, does anybody want to play the idol? Penner, you know, looks up, looks down, doesn't play the idol. And I'm like, oh my God, Penner, what are you doing? You needed to play the idol. And then, of course, the votes, the votes weren't for him. And I've asked him about this and he said he just felt like he had, you know, he didn't feel like he was in danger. He had a gut feeling uh, about that. But to have this uh, happen where LJ doesn't play uh, the idol, do you feel like he was in as much danger or do you feel like that that was a, a gut feeling that he had that made him not play the idol? Or do you think he must have gotten an insurance? I think it's both. I think it's the gut feeling and a little insurance because I know in that before that tribal council with Penner, you know, you know we've, we'd had multiple conversations and talked about you know, keeping strength in the tribe and uh, that, um, you know, and yep, that was the one that Dawson, Dawson, I think, was actually voted out before Katie. 
So it would have been the one possibly that Dawson went home on. But e- either way, you yeah. know, I know I had given my assurance, you know, to both Jeff Kent and Penner, you know, that I was with them and would vote out and was really trying to push for the girls. And I know Jeff, you know, definitely wanted Penner out, but it was that trying to convince them, you know, we have to win a challenge. And so I think there was, you know, I think Jonathan was getting a little assurance also, but definitely that gut feeling. So I, th- I think it was the same for LJ. It's the combination of both. Yeah. And he keeps the idol. Mm-hmm. And well, and I'm trying to figure out, does Tony have his with him? Well, that's a really good question because it depends on if he buried it or not or what he had to do with it. I mean, you guys, when you had the idol, you guys found the idol at Matt saying Malcolm had it. Malcolm had it with him. He then brought it with him to Tandang. And then famously, Lisa Welchel went through his shorts, <laughs> which, yep. which I still don't, I still don't uh, necessarily understand that. But we'll, we'll go with it, that she wanted to dry everybody's <laughs> shorts and hang them up on the clothesline and found his idol. So uh, do you think that Tony had the presence of mind that he's not on the same beach? Do you think he had the presence of mind to say, hey, we could be switching. Let me take the idol with me. See, I don't think they did. I don't think they, I don't think they saw this coming at all, which again, makes for a great season because I don't think they were prepared. I mean, we saw, you know, over at, I think Apari, you know, there were, there was clothing left there that if you really thought you were leaving that beach, you take everything with you. You know, it's like going to tribal council, you know, you take everything you possibly think you'll need or want to keep just in case. So I don't think they did. So I think if he didn't have it, you know, on him or in a bag, it's somewhere. I, I don't know. I'm just wondering, you know, and I, I assume because are they on the old Solani beach? They are. Yeah, right? they're on the Beauty Tribes yeah. beach. Okay. So they, so LJ's got, yeah, definitely he's got access to his. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. But I don't think, I mean, do you think that they knew? I don't know. I remember when you and Malcolm were like, hey, we got to find the idol because we're going to be leaving this camp soon because there could be a switch because we're down to what you guys realize that that was a point in the game where there where there could be a switch. We better find this here if it's buried at our camp. But I kind of feel like that Tony did have it with him because I feel like we would have seen Tony give us a confessional like, oh, man, I can't believe that I don't have my idol anymore. I had it and I was gone. <laughs> Good accent. I, you know, ab- like that. Absolutely. You know, you're right. I think I think 100% we would see something if he didn't have it with. I hadn't even thought of that. You know, in one of the secret scenes, we would have had some hint of that. So I don't know what indication they had, but you're right. You know, when Malcolm and I left, we at least knew, you know, come on, there, there's such a chance that we're going to get split. So take your stuff with, um, be prepared for that. You know, obviously he just found the, the idol um, so there was no time to even bear. I mean, obviously, and I knew he had it, so no point in hiding it. So stuffed it in his bag and, and off we went. So interesting. How did they do it with you guys? They just said, uh, you guys pick a buff out of like the two of you. Is that how they did it? Yep. Uh, two buffs. And then Malcolm offered to switch. And I said, nope, I'm good. And we both kept the one that we pulled. So, and it was like, you know, you saw the look on uh, Sarah's face, especially when they switched, you know, just that, uh, that letdown for us, it was like the complete opposite. It was, oh my gosh, we have, you know, it was probably like the brains tribe. You know, we have this new lease on life. I mean, you just, it, it, it was great. Yeah. Uh, it was a very fun way to do it, I felt like, last night. And even though that the tribes are sort of, like, totally mismatched on paper, then you ended up having the tribe, which Jeff Probst called them the underdogs last night. They ended up winning that challenge. Yeah, you know, it, well, you get a lot of strength from that. I think you, you feel like you have more to prove. 
you know, and maybe the mix of it, you know, you've got, you've got some brawn, you've got some brain, you've got some beauty, maybe the mix of it, but they are, you're right on paper. They're so mismatched. And I thought, you know, it's four men to three women on the Solani, five women to two men, you know, so just from a strength, you know, advantage, you know, it's, it's flip flopped. Um, you know, from a brain standpoint, it, at least on paper looks completely flip flopped, but yeah, I mean, to have salon or to have a party come back and win that, I think, I think there's something more to prove, you know, and especially the brains to might feel, you know, just a new, um, level of energy. And, and again, you know, we've seen in some of the, the secret scenes, you know, just the gelling, how that new tribe is gelling together, even with the beauty kind of disintegrating, you know, it seems to be gelling a lot smoother than, you know, everything over at Solani. Now, I haven't seen the secret scene. So tell me about what's going on on the new Apari. Well, I know from some of them, you know, there, you know, Cass, there were ones with Cass and Tasha both talking about the chemistry, just this new chemistry and the motivation for it and how life just at that camp is so much more comfortable, which is shifting the mood and the morale. And, you know, they talked about, you know, you know, getting this great night's sleep and having a mosquito net and, you know, just being so much more energized for the challenge. And, you know, all of that, especially being an underdog, um, you know, if, if they're looking at it from that point of view, that underdog tribe, you know, that gives them fuel. So, yeah, so there were several scenes like that, that um, the Brains tribe, you know, Spencer talked about, you know, again, this kind of new lease on life, best thing that could have happened for him. So I think it's it's completely new motivation. Now, what do you think the move is for those three people, for Spencer and for Tasha and for Cass going forward? Now, they have those three people from the Brains tribe or of the Beauty tribe. They each have their own whatever they bring to the table. And then you also have Sarah. So what do you think it would be the best move for them going forward? See, I actually think if they stay, you know, if they, if they can stay away from tribal council, you know, as, as much as possible, but to pull in Sarah and actually to pull in Jeremiah, because I think, you know, Jeremiah is at least a connection back, even though I think they're, you know, they talked about kind of Jeremiah switching his vote. There's maybe a connection back with the beauty on the other side if they get back together. But just from, you know, Cass, again, in a secret scene, talked about really liking Jeremiah and, you know, engaging and that he actually has a brain and could have a conversation. And so I imagine that somehow he's going to get pulled in also to the to the brains. And it's going to be Morgan and Alexis on the bottom of that. Interesting, because I kind of feel like there's so many fractures there where it's almost uh, like there's almost like there's two Tandangs uh, in this mm-hmm. gr- in this group of three, even though, you know, Calibaw wasn't, uh, you know, super together. Jeff Kent and Carter were, you know, voting against Penner as soon as you guys got there. Right. So but you, you have basically that the, the, the brain, the brawn tribe is coming apart and the beauty tribe is coming apart. And basically, I feel like the strongest three in the game right now happens to be these three brains. Exactly. But, you know, the only concern I would have is I think Spencer obviously will stay until there's a merge. I think I've no doubt I think Spencer will stay tight with the three, you know, with the other two until and if they make it to the merge then I'm not sure he's the only one out of those three that I think can be thinking already, you know, how he might mix it up. Or I, I don't even know who he would jump with from the other side, but, you know, he's the, he's the, the least solid one that I think out of the bunch there, but definitely they've got, you know, they're, they're solid and they're stable. And like you said, the other ones are just disintegrating and falling apart. Well, this was the debate that we had all week long of what was the right move for 
Tasha and for Cass last week? Should they have kept strength or loyalty? Now, again, we knew there was a tribe swap coming, so we had more information than they did. But so many people just said, well, Spencer's going to flip on them the first chance that he gets. And I'm not denying that. I'm, I'm sure Spencer would flip if somebody had a better deal uh, offered to him than what Tasha and Cass were offering. But in my mind, I can't see any reason why Spencer would flip. I mean, I, I don't think that he has the he's not Tony where he has this almost like, you know, innate nature to, oh, I have to keep it interesting. I got to make up lies. I got to switch around. I mean, if Spencer goes to the final three with Tasha and Cass, don't you think he's probably going to win? Oh, actually, you know, good, good point. I think he could definitely just from, you know, looking at, he could make his case about being on the bottom of the brains or always being on the outs. Um, and getting that second chance to come back in and then staying loyal. I mean, definitely, um, that could help carrying him to the end. I don't know why. There's just, it's, it's, maybe it's just that gut feeling, but I just think, you know, of all the people, I just, I don't know why. I just think he might flip, but, you know, there may be absolutely no merit or no basis to it. Yeah. I, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying he wouldn't flip, but I do feel like, that he has a good thing, and I don't think that he just will flip just just to flip. I think as long yeah. as these three people stay together, because I mean, if I'm Spencer, you know, and I'm down to the final five, I'm liking my chances in individual immunities against Tasha and Cass. With all due respect to Tasha, who has been good in the challenges as well, yeah. but I feel like I'm I feel comfortable with with those three. I have some security there, and it's not like I'm going up against you know these amazing challenge beasts, I feel like at least I have a fair fight in the immunity challenges. You're right. I think there's going to have to be a much bigger offer or better offer, and I'm not sure what that would be. In terms of Tasha, though, and Cass, I do think it was the best choice for them to take him, you know, in terms of the value that he had at the time, you know, when they were down so low and needing to try and keep that strength, you know, it would have been the exact same thing. I mean, it was, if you think of it, like the Matt saying, you know, Matt saying, demise, you know, that's the same thing that we did. We kept thinking we need to keep strength. We need to keep strength. And, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, Jatina might've been the perfect one to keep to take to the end. But, you know, part of that's, you know, the preference of how you play the game, but also he just seemed to have more value to offer them, you know, at least in that moment. And it sounds like, you know, even from what you're saying, you know, long-term, you know, maybe some more loyalty. Now, if they made the opposite decision where they kept Jatia instead of Spencer, do you think that this episode would have played and, and Jatia picks the same buff that Spencer would have picked? So everything would have been exactly the same, except Jatia is there instead of Spencer. Do you feel like as many people from the beauty group would be looking to jump ship to join up with the threesome of Jatia, Cass and Tasha as they were lining up to be in the threesome of Spencer, Cass and Tasha? No, I think they would be, I think it would end up somehow, I don't know if Alexis would, but Alexis, Morgan, and Jatia, and maybe Tasha. I don't think, for some reason, I just don't think Cass would have, I don't think they would, I, I, I'm scrambling my words, but I, you know, no, I just don't, I don't think it would have played out this, I don't think they would have been as interested in doing that. 
do you think that maybe the three people from the beauty might have smelled blood in the water a little bit more and said, hey, like maybe the th- us three, look, I know we have our differences, but maybe let's just let's, you know, let's maybe maybe we can pull in Sarah and maybe we can, you know, knock out some of these people from the brains tribe. Maybe they're not as as cohesive of, of a group, ironically, with GT. And again, we're totally speculating. Maybe everything is exactly the same. I, possibly, you know, I don't know why, but it just feels like there's so many options in both of the tribes right now. Like there's so many possible moving parts, you know, Sarah could go down with the three beauties, you know, or does Sarah get, you know, sucked into the brains or do the brains actually split and shock us? And, and, you know, if Jati is in the mix, um, does she end up splintering off? Even though she said she'd be loyal, does she decide she wants to play her own game and, and go connect with the beauties? You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's that it's one hundred percent speculation. Yeah. All right. I've got so many questions for you here, Denise, from the listeners of Rob has a podcast, and and they're going back to your season and and this current season. So let's uh, let's dive into these and and uh, awesome. see how many different topics we can hit on here. Okay. And <laughs> awesome. spe- speaking of hit on, uh, Jordan Kalish uh, wants to know. As a sex therapist, what advice would you give Trish regarding LJ? Now, uh, we saw the scenes last night where Trish was totally enamored with LJ. And Lindsay was like, uh, oh, my God, can you believe this? Can you believe this, Trish? She's, you know, she's 50 years old and she's, you know, some 20-year-old guy is around here. Well, LJ is not really 20. No, no. And you know, and I didn't see it as her hitting on him at all, which is so interesting. Like I saw it as she was enamored, enamored in the sense of she had this connection and this likeness and this familiarity that she just it was like, oh, you know, like it's it's a refreshing piece. I think she she's just very much you know an, an emotional person and and connecting with people is her thing. And but I didn't I didn't you know I I think she thought he was good looking, but I didn't t- you know I didn't read it as her truly trying to hit on him in any way or like, you know, from the cougar cougar standpoint, but Lindsay definitely was seeing it that way. I mean, and that's only fueling whatever is going on between them. Yeah. You know, well now you were, uh, involved in some high pressure situations with some of your other, uh, tribe mates specifically, you know, you didn't always see eye to eye with Abby Maria. What is that like? Can you give us some insight into whatever is going on with Trish and Lindsay? You know, even as I was, you know, writing stuff down last night, I, those were the things that I compared it to. I, you know, I thought, okay, whether or not, which is, which is which it's like, I was Trish and Abby is Lindsay or Lisa was, is Trish and Lindsay is Abby. you know, it's that same kind of dynamic of feeling, you know, just where you just aren't for whatever reason, whether or not you're just those strong personalities, um, you just clash like from the start or there's kind of this you know, feeling threatened. You know, I remember coming in after our merge and getting in the water and trying to start paying attention to where the cracks and, and it was like, Abby was tight lipped. Like she was not really going to engage with me at all. You know, she wasn't going to give up any information, you know, and it's, it kind of starts setting that kind of adversarial, you know, relationship. And somehow that has either, they're just rubbing each other the wrong way. They come from totally different backgrounds you know, ages are different. You know, Abby and I weren't that far apart in age. You know, Trish and, Trish and Lindsay, I think, are way farther apart in age, or maybe not, but I think they are, than Abby and I were. You know, but yeah, just you can just see the tension, you know, just brewing. So I think it's a combination of personalities, age, 
the way they want to play the game, who they're aligning with, you know, and it's just, it's, and they've been together a lot longer. You know, I, I'm trying to think of what day we're on. I know I can't even think what, what day, but, you know, I didn't even start spending time with Abby until day 18. So it was only the second half of the game that really fueled that, that tension with Abby and I. So I'm sure we're going to come back to that later as well. Um, Ian Sevilla wants to know, being a sex therapist, you are very versed in anything regarding sex and perhaps conception. In this light, can you answer which came first, the egg or the chicken? And on a side note, do hens need roosters to conceive chicks? Denise, did they teach you any of this stuff? I, for, I'm from Iowa, so, you know, and but I did. I'm like, wait, yeah, they need the rooster because you have to fertilize the egg. Hello? Like, you don't just, we all have eggs floating around in there, but if they're not fertilized, it's nothing. It would just be the so, egg white? It's it's just the egg white. That's that's all you get. You <laughs> hey, well, just get the egg white. That's so, better for you anyway. So, yes, and, and having the rooster around or something definitely makes the hen a bit happier regardless. Okay. So... Uh, this was something that Stephen and I uh, got into last night, and a lot of people have asked this question. Uh, Scott Chupak is asking, at any point in your game, did you consider that your tribe being decimated could become an advantage for you and Malcolm? And the idea that Stephen brought up last night and Josh Wiggler uh, talked about it last week, he coined the term intentionally Matt singing. Do you oh. think that people should consider the idea of maybe losing the first couple challenges early on for a strategic advantage later on? in the game? No. That <laughs> seems like the most backward strategy I've ever heard of. And never once did I think, oh, this is a good thing. No. Never. Never. Like, don't intentionally Matt sing. It is not a good thing. And no, it's like throwing challenges. I just can't imagine wanting to do anything that risks your game. You know, there's already so much you can't control. So why give up the one thing that you can even try to control um, and hope that it plays out for the best. I mean, no way. No way. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think... No, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you heard my answer to this on Survivor Know-It-All. Yeah, right? What I yeah. thought of this. Okay, Brandon Glenn wants to know, how well can Denise twerk? Denise, have you thought about this? <laughs> I would know. There will be no twerking by this 43-year-old. When, once, once you hit a certain age, I think twerking is just not a good idea. You know, so yeah, no, no twerking. No, not, not a, no, no. Why was there so much twerk talk last night? I don't know. And that, well, then they never showed it either. They showed, <laughs> I think they showed Alexis twerk like the very first episode. I think we saw or in some preview somewhere. We saw her twerk once. Maybe it was the TV guide special. I'm not sure, but we haven't seen any twerking. So yeah, I know. <laughs> Trevor Chong wants to know uh, what tribe would win in a challenge Matt Singh or the Brains tribe oh uh, what kind of a challenge uh, let's uh, swimming I think Matt Singh would win I, definitely are paper, you kidding I don't think you guys were that bad right I mean that no. you, you were you were good Malcolm was good I mean then uh, Russell Swan was at, you know average to average yep. to good um, you know, I think maybe you were just against better combat. Actually, in both seasons, I think Calabaw and um, Tandang were both good tribes. In yeah, the I mean, I think on on paper, we we definitely didn't look like we should we do, be doing that horribly. And you know, in a swimming challenge, I think definitely we saw how the brains did in the swimming challenge, and that was just sad. I mean, Spencer carried the whole thing, you know, and and was exhausted. 
Um, but, you know, I mean, it's even, you know, watching, you know, we had, you know, by the end, you know, Malcolm, Malcolm and Russell and I up against three men in at least one of the final, you know, in our final challenge with the three of us. And we still held our own. I mean, it came, unfortunately, we just could never, it's like we could never close the deal. You know, we'd get so close and yet be so far. Um, but I, I, I'd like to say Matt Singh would win, but clearly I have nothing to base that on given Matt Singh never won a challenge. And the Brains did. Yeah, I so. think, well, that's they didn't win a challenge. They came in second. Second. Yeah. But I guess you guys but never came in second. We didn't even do that. Yeah. No. That's true. Yeah, but we never even did that. They, so I got to give them kudos to that. But you guys were close in a number of those challenges. And the Brains Tribe really was not. I mean, there was a tribe that was trying to throw a challenge. And I have to imagine if Tan Dang said, <laughs> we are trying to throw a challenge, I would have to imagine you guys would have beaten them. Yes. I, I do think if if there had been somebody intentionally throwing, we would have, I think, finally been redeemed and at least won something. But that's true. But yeah, we, yeah. Now, Trevor, <laughs> Trevor Chong wants to know, is Sarah playing the anti-Denise strategy, never go to tribal council? You know, gotta I go didn't eventually. even realize. Yeah, eventually. But what is, I don't know if you have a fact checker that can figure this oh, out. Oh, we've got I a fact checker. What's, so who... Who's has gone in terms of either winning or getting to the end? Who's gone to the least amount of tribal councils? Like, what's the least amount? I'm trying to think that you could end up going because once you hit the merge, you have to go. So I guess it would be just the shortest amount of tribals post merge. But yeah, she hasn't gone to any. Yeah, so you got to find the season with a late merge and Mm -hmm. to win the game, go into the least number of tribal councils. We'll work on that. We'll work on that, Denise. That'll be an answer to a good uh, trivia question. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> all right. So I don't know if we if we have this answer for you on the record or not. Brock Cheek wants to know winter season, yes or no? Are you in? On, are you in for that? I would love to, yeah. and I'd probably be up for other seasons. But it's just timing and with family and work, it, you know, it's it's everything's got to kind of align beautifully yeah. to make it happen. Denise, I think you might be my pick in a winter season. Oh, I don't know. Do you think? See, I think I, I think I'd, it'd be like Tina, and I think I'd be out first. No, why would they? Why do they get rid of you first? It's, everybody's a winner. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's true. I guess if it's an all winners, there's gonna. Oh, you know what? True, they're gonna be way bigger targets. If you think of, you know, strategic player people who came on. You know, I do think I had. You know, I was able to play strategically, but I'm not definitely don't. You know talk strategically and didn't that wasn't you know an, an overt part of my game but yeah i think they're definitely from a strength standpoint definitely bigger targets yeah so yeah so in all winners i think you're right maybe i could stick in there for a while the only thing i can come up with why uh, why i'm uh, again and i'm no winner uh let's say hypothetically i'm there the only reason i'm getting rid of you denise i think maybe you could be a jinx that you're pretty unlucky that you go to all you lose all these challenges you go to all these tribal councils i'm saying if we lose two challenges in a row off the bat i think that look denise is a jinx she's cursed and she's got to go ah dog on superstition <laughs> See, that's true somebody and somebody I, I it would not i wouldn't doubt it that somebody out there with as many sports fans, you know, that, that go out and are playing the game that wear the same shirt for every game or do, you know, definitely that could, I could be like the unlucky rabbit's foot. 
All right, good. I'm glad you were talking about sports here. So let's get into Cliff Robinson and Jeff Kent. Reese Magwick wants to know, what are your thoughts on voting on people because they don't need the money, as Wu mentioned with Cliff, that he has had his time to shine? If you knew who Jeff Kent or Lisa Welchel were, would you have had the same thought process that you don't want them there? So let's talk about the playing with somebody that you know has some degree of fame and or celebrity. And, you know, again, we're not accountants. Who knows how much money Cliff Robinson yep. has left from his from his uh, playing days? Who knows how much money Jeff Kent or Lisa Welchel has? But you, they have the impression that like, oh, well, they're famous, so they must be rich. So yep. that's a thing that happened. People think that way. You know, and for me, I never, that wasn't a thought that came into my mind, at least not initially. And it wouldn't be how, for myself, I definitely wouldn't rule out taking someone like Cliff. And obviously, I didn't rule out going to the end with with Lisa, you know, with somebody that had that. But it wasn't necessarily even that I took them thinking nobody will vote for them. Even though you hear, and you're right, you hear that all the time. We'll never give them their vote because they've already made their million or whatever it might be. Um but and and with Jeff, I didn't know who he was, so I couldn't rule him out based on that. But but yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's unfortunate because they can be used. I mean, even if even if that thought's there to to boot somebody out like Cliff, and I I understand it on one level, but to boot somebody out like Cliff so early when he can be used as a bigger target later on. You know, I think it, it was the same, you know, kind of shift that happened for us with the returning players. You know, initially, everybody wanted the returning players out. But then you realize, okay, there's a value to keeping them, and then they eventually become a bigger target. And, you know, you want, you know, bigger targets than yourself. So um, sometimes it seems kind of counterintuitive to boot them off for that reason, you know, money or, you know, whatever, you know, notoriety, whatever other reason they stand out. Now, you went up against Lisa Welchel in the final three. Do you think that people didn't vote for Lisa because she was a former TV star? I know Penner brought it up at the final tribal council and tried to make it into a whole big thing. But do you think that anybody vote did not vote for her because they said, hey, she already had this career, she had her chance or whatever, and that's why I'm not voting for her? No, I don't think that had anything to do with why she didn't get why there was only the one vote. I don't think anyone, at least no one that I've talked to that has that even been a part of that. You know, it was so much more about the relationships that had been built and and, you know, how they saw her play, you know, strategically or betrayals. And I mean, it was based on all of that versus, you know, I mean, he had thrown that out at that tribal council. But no, I don't have a doubt that it didn't play any factor in that are you sure denise because i I thought she played a pretty good game i thought she was i thought she played pretty good i think she did but i think she ticked off so many people in ten bang (laughs) no No, i mean that's it and you know maybe she did okay i'm like maybe she did but yeah not so much (laughs) i think it was the facts of life um but do you think an athlete could ever somebody like a cliff robinson or a jeff kent or a jimmy johnson or somebody who has had some degree of notoriety in a professional sport, could they ever win the game? I do think they could. I think they could, but I think, you know, there's, if, if you have people that are saying that, you know, Hey, you know, you've already made your millions. I think they're going to have to really have worked very hard to build those relationships all the way through the game. You know, it's like, and we didn't really see Cliff doing that with, with Trish, you know, or I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, how well he was really playing that social game. I think they're going to have to compensate for that so much more with that piece, 
because they're going to have to convince people to basically to want them to win, or or they're going to have to convince. You know, you saw in early seasons, I think it was, I don't know if it was Tina's season or some of the other earlier seasons where you know you would see during the tribal council so much more people kind of challenging and asking, you know, what do you, you know, if I vote for you, you know, what are you going to do with the money? You know, that there's going to have to be something, maybe, maybe from that standpoint, something more compelling to make, to make somebody want to give that millionaire possibly, you know, another million bucks, you know, what's going to, what are they going to do with it? You know, so I don't know. I, I think it could, I, Hey, we've seen, we've seen, you know, votes switched at the last minute. We've seen, you know, tribal switch up. We've seen crazy twists and turns. Why can't that happen? You know, I think just about anything can in the game. Yeah, that's fair. And I do think it could happen. I feel like people that I think Jeff Kent or uh, Cliff Robinson are probably too big of a name mm-hmm. to be able to to do that, to to make that transition on the first time. But I think either somebody who is like a lesser known person who is a professional athlete, somebody like a, you know, like a Grant or somebody like that who has played in the mm-hmm. NFL, but like the people don't really think of him as like he's not a household name or anything like that. But I do feel like that a Jeff Kent or a Cliff Robinson, I think that they would be well served to come back and be mm-hmm. an all star. I guess Brad Culpepper is another guy who played in, played in the NFL, um, uh, but I don't think he's going to win. Uh, but I no. do feel like if if Cliff or Jeff Kent came back and played with all stars a second time, I feel like whatever effect the the hey they're an athlete they've made money, I feel like that is really diminished among all stars as opposed to against first time players. Absolutely. Well, just like you said, it's just, um, you know, the the difference between the players, or at least how different each player, how different I see myself from from him or whoever that other player is, makes such a huge difference. So, yeah, I mean, if it's quote-unquote all all-stars, yeah, they're ego-wise, you know, or the playing field just somehow seems more even, and it doesn't stand out as much. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Grant wants to know, Denise, who is your favorite player this season? Do you have a favorite player this season? I do, but I, I want to see more of her. I, I really like Sarah. You know, that's, I mean, and quite honestly, I did not think I was going to enjoy Tony. I'm enjoying Tony. I think I just enjoy some of his Jersey speak more than anything. Um, but I, but I do, I, I'm enjoying watching Tony, but I really, you know, I think part of it's just the Iowa connection for me with Sarah, you know, and wanting to root for someone from my hometown. So, you know, I, that's, that's my favorite right now. And that's my pick to win, you know, one of my picks to win um, for the end. So. Sarah is from your hometown. She is. She's from Cedar Rapids. Oh, so my God. Just, I know. So, I mean, if she could do this, I'm so pumped. Like, it, one, just to have the fact that there are two people from my hometown, to have someone, if she goes far, I mean, that's awesome. And to be a female, I mean, that, yeah, it's, it's a good day in, in Iowa. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've got uh, so many questions for you, and so many of them are inappropriate. And uh, oh, I don't great. know if I want to ask. I don't know if like I want to ask them. questions or what? Okay. Um, oh no. Brad Craig wants to know. LJ seemed to use his physical assets to get Trish into his corner. Shouldn't Morgan be trying to do the same thing with Spencer? Should she be pulling an Angie on Spencer? Do you think? I don't think Spencer's going to buy it. See, that's the, I think she could, but I don't think it's going to work. I mean, I, I really, I, maybe it will. I think if anyone could use the assets to work, I think it's going to be Alexis because Alexis seems to have more of a strategic um, way of thinking that might turn Spencer on more than Morgan. I think Morgan's just going to seem like the, you know, the, 
beauty with boobs to him. And I don't, I mean, she could, she, she needs to start figuring something out um, to try and get in somewhere, but she just doesn't, you know, again, we're not even really seeing that with Morgan other than throwing everybody under the bus. Now, Spencer did say that, Hey, it's nice to have some of these hot girls around and instead of the moms, which oh, I felt true. like, which I felt like was a little bit un- unfair. Um, but he said it and, you know, I know from my time on Survivor and a lot of people criticized me, Denise, during my season that I was more focused on the women or I was thinking with the wrong head or any, or any of these things, but I never, ever made a decision because of that. I wanted to try to, you know, keep the, the attractive girls around, I went against them at every at every time yeah. I had the opportunity. Every time it benefited me, I sold them down the river. So I appreciated having the attractive women around, but I never was. And I think Spencer is probably the same way. Where that's exactly yep. I like I it's like it. It's, it's like it makes it makes home much more comfortable. But when it really comes down to business, yeah, he's that's he's a brain for a reason. And he's definitely, you know, we see behind the scenes, he is thinking strategically. So no way. I think he's going to think with the right head. Okay. Jeff Pittman wants to know, Denise, as a therapist, you seem to have the perfect skill set to play the social game of Survivor. Having played with and against a pro athlete yourself, do you think that that profession provides any advantage beyond, as Jatia said, the ability to perform under pressure in challenges? Um, yeah, I think, you know, depending on the person, but I think part of it's just personality style too, you know, not just skill set, but as a professional, you think of like Jeff Kent, you know, if you are someone who's played, you know, in, you know, you know, NFL, NBA, NHL, you know, whatever that, you know, you know, as, as a professional athlete, you're having to interact with people all the time and you're having to interact. I'm assuming they're having to interact with fans and kind of fake it till you make it, even if you don't like someone or at least kind of have more of a tolerance. So on the one hand, I think that can be helpful. Definitely the performing under pressure, I think is huge. You know, it's, you know, they're used to, you know, having to, you know, make those decisions in the moment and stay calm and, and follow through on a play. Um, you know, similar to, you know, in therapy, if there's a crisis. So definitely, I think, you know, beyond just the performance, I, I do think there's a social piece that um, for at least, I think a lot of players could be helpful. Denise, can you help people who can't perform under pressure? I do. I, I help people with that all the time. <laughs> I tell them to relax, relax. slow down, slow down, relax, slow down, adapt. <laughs> um, you know, I was just on another podcast and I didn't realize until later how similar um, sex therapy is to the game of survivor, you know, and teaching people, you know, exactly how to perform under pressure. I'm like, it's the same thing. So it's totally like playing the game of survivor. Playing the game of survivor is like sex therapy yeah. or teaching people the game of survivor is like sex therapy. Um, both. I think I, teaching pe- basically teaching people to how to have good sex is like teaching people how to play the game of Survivor, at least from my own experience. You know, teaching people how to be adaptable and how to slow down and how to be patient and how to, you know, make connections. And I mean, it's it's really similar strategy. So you think that Stephen Fishback and I might have a second career as sex therapists? You could. There you go. We just got to get you a little bit more training. But no, I think you'd do well. There you go. Okay, well, if, if Survivor goes off the air, you know, uh, Wednesday night, Stephen Fishback and I will t- will help you, you with your uh, relationship problems. 
we'll just we'll come up with different words for a tribal council, and you know we'll just we'll we'll start exchanging words and snuffing your torch. You know, we we have lots of things to adapt. So it'll perfect. work. Perfect. Um, how about uh, Dan Heaton wants to know? You avoided the target while still making moves behind the scenes. Tony's move last night put him out there as a thinker and a guy not to be trusted. Was it wise to make a big move like this so early? That's I don't, that I don't know. I mean, I know you guys debated that. You know, last night again. You know, I I don't know. It, it, it could be fine. Um, you know, I was definitely just not comfortable with being that. Um, out in the forefront making those moves. I was just much more comfortable with, again, being patient and knowing things were shifting and happening and knowing, you know, each each day, each step. And so, you know, I don't know what he's thinking his next move is after this. You know, he's going to have, you know, Trish and Jeffrey and LJ, you know, and, depend- and Wu. I don't know where Wu is going to go in this mix. You know, I'm, I'm assuming he will, you know, try and go with Tony, you know, I, but I'm not sure, you know, what will happen. Wu just feels really kind of wooey. <laughs> To me, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know about him. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, it, he, again, there's just so much you, you don't know until it actually plays out um, to know if it's a good move or a bad move. In one season, it could be great. and the next, it could suck. Okay, let's talk about Jorge Alvarado. He wants to know, I heard your rant on social media when Jatia threw out the rice. With all oh, the yeah. recent twerk talk, what do you think about the younger generation now? I, I, I'd rather not oh, uh, get into nah. uh, uh, a referendum on, the, uh, on younger people, but I want to talk, I know you had strong feelings about Jatia, and uh, you, ha- you wrote a blog post, uh, one, oh. when she threw out the rice, and then you wrote a, a second blog post, uh, last week after hearing her do exit interviews on certain podcasts uh, that we <laughs> we don't need to mention. Uh, yeah. uh, yep. So uh, I guess uh, talk more about your your feelings about uh, Jatia. Uh, you know, and I think, and it's not even just Jatia. And I do. I have to, and I have to watch myself on some of those blog posts. I am definitely unfiltered. You know, when I get out there, and I clearly have really strong feelings when I write that stuff, and I still do. You know, just watching Jatia just, you know, it was from the moment of, you know, the rice, you know, the dumping of the rice. It's this whole pattern. And I think for me, it's it's because it triggers for me what I see in my practice. That, And it's not just the young kids. You know, it's not just the youth of today. It's people with that mindset. It's, it's, a, it's a cultural piece of entitlement, um, lack of, you know, taking ownership and responsibility. And that's what was just frustrating to me, you know, as I listened to some of the exit interviews, and they, they seem to have gotten better as I listened to later ones, but it was just this, you know, lack of awareness or even just maybe remorse. I don't know if it was remorse or guilt of, you know, yeah, I really felt bad that they might have starved. It was, no, nah, I didn't really care. So I, I did. My panties were in a bunch after, you know, the rice and then until she went home and, and afterwards, clearly I was, I was a little bit worked up. Well, let me just say that I got a, a message from Jatia over the weekend, and she uh, she reached out to me and said that uh, she wanted to know uh, what was my address. She wanted to send me something, and it wasn't anthrax. So I wasn't oh, sure. Shit. Now, in fairness, somebody said, now that's exactly what somebody who was going to send you anthrax would say. But okay. no, I get, uh, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. She, uh, that's Jatia is sending me something. I don't know what it was, but she did. She wrote to me and said that she felt bad about how our interview went the other day. And, uh, I, I think she said that I was sort of, uh, I was just a lightning rod. She had just gotten voted off the night before. Yeah. And so I think she sort of was, you know, took, uh, whatever frustration she was feeling 
out on me. Uh, and, and from what she said, it wasn't anything specifically that I had done that annoyed her, but overall the, 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 the tenor of the other survivor players, I think had yeah. gotten, had gotten to her a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that is a hard thing. You know, this is the first, you know, I think it was last season, even that I had joined in on kind of the Twitter clearly given, I didn't have a smartphone until January um, <laughs> to be able to join in and really, you know, tweet and, and be a part of kind of that social and, you know, and clearly on Facebook, I, you know, write my own rants on, on different things, but you know, I, I can definitely understand it's hard because it's hard to hear that feedback, you know, and I'm sure it could not have been easy, you know, once she had been voted out and then to hear, you know, you get, and some people are, I think, much less filtered than even I am, you know, and are just maybe just cruel, you know, but then like, you know, I think, you know, in, in your exit interview with her, what I really like, I'm like, oh, call her on this, please, a little bit. And you did, you know, not in a mean way, but just to say it's kind of a part of the experience. You know, I remember when our casting photos first came out. I was essentially compared to a, 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 a post-op transsexual with man hands. Was I believe what I was called? But and that, so, and that was by Eliza. Uh, no, oh, no, but that oh. could have been. Maybe it was Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. I don't know who it was, but it was one of those things. It was like, okay, I can either get upset with this, or I could get upset, you know, about comments about how I played. You know, believe me, you know, there were. There, there are comments about all of us as we play, even I think the best players. You have someone, you know, who, who just can't stand the way that you play, you know, and you kind of suck it up and you deal with it and you, your skin gets a little tougher and you move on. And I think it's, it's just harder for some people. And I do think that is a little bit some of the younger players, um, but I do think that that's a little bit harder for them just because of life experience, you know. Mm-hmm. I've already been through the ringer, you know, and I look like it, you know, and you, you just, you learn how to roll with things a little bit easier and, and your skin's a little bit tougher and, and it heals a little bit easier. So, so maybe she's coming around though. So that'll be a good thing. So, but if we don't hear from you, we'll get worried. Yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. go off the air. <laughs> right. But in my, when I played on Survivor, and again, this is, you know, 11, 12 years ago, and the world and social media is a radically different place, but you would go on the Survivor Sucks, and then you would read horrible things about you, and then you just had to, you just had to deal with it. You just said, like, you either cried or, or, or said, like, can you believe what people are saying about me? And, you know, it never really, uh, it never bummed me out too much, oh. but you read horrible things about you, but you know what? You just had to, you just had to read it. You couldn't, you weren't allowed to go on Survivor Sucks and say, Hey, Mr. No. Blah, blah, you know, X, X, Y, uh, wh- whoever, uh, I do not have man boobs, like, <laughs> or, or I do, exactly. and they're not, they're that, uh, people like them, uh, or whatever. And so, you you have to just, you just had to take it. You didn't get the fire back uh, in two thousand and three. And but like you said, you just dealt with it. I mean, you can't like you said, you can't go on there and reply back to everyone, you know. And I didn't have a live, so I felt kind of lucky. I didn't have a live or a public Twitter when um, when our season was going. I only opened that up, I think, after the season. I think it was in January, maybe after we were done. So I can only imagine seeing so much more of that. So. You know, and so you can filter it. I mean, if you, and if your skin's not tough enough, then you can't be on social media. You got to block it. You know, I mean, that's really your only option is either you look and you, you kind of tolerate it, 
you know, as long as it's, you know, somebody's not calling you like demon spawn. Um, <laughs> well, that would know, be the worst thing. It. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, yeah, I had, was called like demon spawn. Somebody was going to like, I don't know. Oh, it was just this rant because I didn't, wasn't getting along with Abby. And even that you just go, okay. You know, so you block them and you go on, you yeah. know, but and I think yeah, kind of shake it off. That's the other difference between now and like, okay, there's a message board where people are. And so it's like, Hey, okay, you know what? Fingers in my ears. La, 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 la. I don't want to go see it. You don't have to see it. Whereas uh, in 2014, you have a public Twitter and now people get to watch the episode and are like, Hey, you know, at, you know, whoever, blah, 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 you're an a-hole or you're the worst person that ever lived yeah. and they uh. tag you. And so it goes, it, they're saying it to your face. Uh, they are. And so uh, then some, you, you know, you might just have to be like Dawn uh, who had to shut her Twitter down during the season yep. last season or in, in Caramoan because things got so out of hand. Uh, all right. And speaking of Dawn, uh, Chris Hickey wants to know, what are your thoughts on, on quote unquote, older woman on survivor and generally the backlash they receive if they go too far though uh you were the obvious exception it seems like an older woman a dawn a sherry a lisa a monica lil face obstacles in front of the jury do you think that there is an unfair precedent set for older female survivors particularly mothers that punishes aggressive gameplay it's been a recent trend so i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah, I mean, I, I I do think there's a struggle for that with any older woman in the game, but I don't think it's just the survivor. I mean, I think it's um, outside of the game. It's in the way we live. It's just it's those standards that we put on what it means to be a woman. Then if that woman happens to be a mom, um, you know, we kind of put, you know, this higher standard. And so it's really, I think, depending on the relationships that you've you've built through the game, for whatever reason, I think the sting feels a little bit worse when it's coming from that older woman that's betraying you, you know, or maybe has done something that doesn't fit their nature. You know, it was kind of like Jonathan Penner calling me a bitch at tribal council. And, you know, in hindsight, you know, in the moment I was like, what, like, where did that come from? And, you know, it was only afterwards that I asked him about it and it, and it makes perfect sense. You know, here I was trying to, to state a case at tribal council much more forcefully or assertively than I probably had ever been in any conversation out there. And so it seems different. And so then it's kind of off-putting. And so they take, so again, I took more heat. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I think it's, you know, it's kind of, I go back to the good old sex therapy, you know, and hopefully without offending anyone on here, you know, there's a kind of a, a dynamic that they call, you know, men want, you know, they want, they want to marry the Madonna, but they want the whore in the bedroom. And that sounds so crass and so crude. But it's like they want this woman that when they take out in the public looks kind of like this Madonna, this perfect woman. But they want this, you know, kind of, you know, wild gallon, you know, behind the scenes. Sure. And it's kind of that, you know, the split expectation. And I think so we hold women to that. But when it actually happens, you know, we, in the game, people don't know what to do with it. So, yeah, I do. I, I do think it's a struggle. And. I, I do want to say, in fairness, I feel like your game is a little different. These other names that are mentioned, Dawn, Sherry, Lisa, Monica, Lil, and not taking anything away from their games, your game was far more assertive than any of these other women that uh, all of these other people, maybe with the exception of Sherry, uh, vary, at various times are crying all the time. And uh, and people yeah. and then people have to say, go and to a Dawn, to a Monica, to a Lil, and, and cheer them up. 
and say, no, yeah, no, no, they're there. It'll be better. And then it's almost like these people feel like, okay, well, I'm putting my time in. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, spending emotional energy on making Dawn feel better, making Monica feel better. And it's, and then you betrayed me. You stabbed me into the back after you were crying and I nursed you back to feeling good about yourself. And then this is how you repay me. Whereas that I don't, cannot remember an instance when Denise is crying and, you know, Mike Scoopin is, is cheering you up or, or whoever. No, I mean, it was totally the opposite. I remember before I went out, you know, to play and my casting contacts, I, I, I just, just wait, you'll fall apart. And it, there was this expectation, I think, like every older woman or not every older woman, but so many that kind of fall apart in the game. And no, so that was not a part of my game. You know, I, I know I cried one time and I cried hard and that was when I got bit. And so then having a conversation with Michael Scoopin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I did. So that time, oh my gosh, I sobbed like a baby. <laughs> You know, I, I hold no bones. I mean, or, you know, bar, bar nothing. I mean, I, I was crying and I was a mess. And, you know, later in a conversation with Michael Scoop and I got, you know, teary as we were talking, but it wasn't, you know, like this emotional roller coaster. That it was, I was crying because of pain, you know, but never once kind of that emotional up and down. But I think you're right. It's, you know, when you've, when you've kind of comforted someone like that, you know, there's this connection and it's, you know, it's, it's like biting the hand that feeds you kind of, it's like that, ah, like what the heck? So I, I do, I think there's a little bit more backlash when that happens. Did you think that Garrett was a baby when the spider was on him at the first tribal council? Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> what was that? I mean, he totally did like this dance in the back row. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Now, granted, I don't know how big the spider was. You know, and it would freak us out. You know, seeing the little tarantulas and things. You know, and and now I will admit I hate bugs still. And I mean, I'll jump if I see it, but that was funny. Yeah, I was like, wow, you are not made for this game. I don't think, at least not that part of the game. No, turns out he wasn't. Turns out that that's a pretty good assessment. Um, Okay, couple more questions. Matt Duvall wants to know: Are you and Abby on good terms now? We are. Actually, we just got back in touch after the Jatia rant again. After I went on my Jatia post, I had commented, I'm either to Abby or about Abby in there. And we are, you know, definitely friendly. Again, that was one of the great things about social media was that's how we got reconnected a little bit after the game. And, you know, we are just very different women. Um, You know, she's, you know, again, very strong and very assertive and, you know, business minded and, and doing her thing out there in California. And, you know, we're just, we have different backgrounds and different lives, but yeah, everything is mended. We're good. Good. Um, do Are you glad Abby Maria never threw out the rice when you guys were at uh, the Merge tribe? Or was that something that you, like, I know that, that they said, hey, don't leave her alone. Don't, la- don't leave Jatia alone because somebody's got to watch her. Were you guys thinking that way with Abby Maria that she might do something destructive? No. You know what? As, as, different as my personality was from Abby, she wasn't unstable. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't this sense of instability. Like she was, she was stable and she was smart. She was just playing so hard. And with that came, you know, that, that off putting, you know, that, that aggression from or what felt like kind of that aggressiveness from her, but no, never once did I, you know, I don't know if anybody else did, but never once did I worry that Abby was going to destroy something or she was too busy off, you know, hiding her, her, fake idol so you know we're making us think that she had the fake idol that that was not a part of how she was playing the game okay blue bear wants to know there was a lot of talk and hype surrounding spencer preseason he talks a big game yet he did not have control of his alliance in the garrett blindside how good can he be this early in the game he found himself in the bottom and was a target is spencer overrated 
I don't think, I think definitely he, well, and I don't know if he was, I think he was in, in the initial hype, you know, Jeff definitely wasn't overrated or I didn't think I thought, you know, Jeff was basically saying he has zero chance to win. So I don't think that's being overrated. I think if anything, that's underrating him. You know, Spencer has surprised me in, in all of his preseason interviews. I was not a fan, just the, the kind of arrogance, kind of narcissistic flavor that felt like it was just oozing off of him. And I thought, oh, he's going to have to like, he's going to be this loud mouth or he's not going to play a social game. And he's actually, you know, I, I think he's kind of, I think he has a good chance right now. He's, he's staying quiet. I mean, he's strategic, but he's not overbearing. He doesn't have to have to, you know, like bulldoze to, to become the leader. I mean, he, he seems like he's doing a pretty decent job. So now I think if anything, he may have been at least by what, you know, initial probes ratings was maybe underrated. Yeah, Jeff was very hard on him. I think that maybe Absolutely. Spencer, at least he put himself on the map. And maybe that's what you do. Maybe you just talk that way, have a lot of bluster in your pregame interviews and then, you know, make a name for yourself and then don't actually be like that in the game. Yeah. And I think you know, people thinking maybe do they have to be this character to be kind of, yeah, how, you know, for whatever reason. But I think probably all of us to some extent talk a different game. Um, or at least we think we're going to talk, and it's just it's just different once you're out there. You know, once you, once you're actually thrown into it, the reality of who you are comes out. I mean, full on. Okay, one last question from Chris Chong. He wants to know, Denise, if a client approached you as a therapist saying that they no longer wish to date their partner because their partner did not make the survivor merge, what advice would you give? <laughs> I would tell them to slow down. Let's get both of them in there and talk about this. Talk about That's this. what I would do because they're still very dateable. <laughs> That's so, true. No, I would think so. I think they're just fine. Yeah. Oh, it's too funny. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what the inappropriate questions were. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we'll leave that to the imagination. That, that's all good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Denise, thank you uh, so much. This was fantastic. Awesome. And hey, hopefully if we do it again, I'll, I'll figure out the technology and we'll get the Google Hangout going. All right. Tell us about uh, how do we find your Facebook group? You can find I am on Facebook under Denise Stapley, Survivor Philippines. And I believe, I don't know if the picture on there right now is of me crying or no, I think it's a different one. It's a Calabal picture. I had another page that had to go down some on there and I'm on Twitter at Goofy Gal. So you can find me in both places. I try to live tweet a little bit. Um, but some days I just want to watch the show. So. Well, hold on. Your Twitter is actually at GoofyGal1171. There we go. You yes. got to get that Denise. branding down, Denise. Yeah, there you go. Denise Stapley at GoofyGal1171. Yeah. Did you tweet about the show last I, night? Let me see what you wrote last I night. I did. I okay. did. I, I didn't write as much because I was trying to take notes for today. Because again, I felt like I was preparing for a test. So yeah. I was tweeting a little bit here and there and... But, you know, every once in a while, it's like inappropriate things will come to my mind. And sometimes sometimes I should probably just filter those before I tweet them. Yeah. Uh, what'd you write here to Lindsay? You wrote, uh, too funny. Now all I can hear in, in my head is the oh. quote from Office Space. Show her my O face. Uh, do you know, do you remember that? Yes, I remember that. Yes. <laughs> That's the only thing after, after Eliza had written, I've made that face multiple times. Yeah. Of course, inappropriate comments come into my head. That's right. Now, if yeah. that's your O face, doesn't that mean that somebody is doing something wrong? Uh, that would be I, something we need to work. We need to do a little <laughs> bit more therapy and do a little bit, get a little bit more advice going there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Denise, <laughs> thank you so much. And uh, this was so much fun. It's been a blast, Rob. Thank you. Right. Have a great week. All right. You, you too. got it. Bye. Bye.
All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Denise Stapley joining us back here on Rob as a Podcast. Her second recap appearance. Great job again uh, by Denise. So we're going to segue into something that we've been doing on the website here before we get to our voicemails uh, with Pod Vader coming up in just a couple minutes. But uh, we have a lot of bloggers, a daily blog almost every single day about Survivor and Jessica Lee's covering The Amazing Race. But one of the columns here that has really caught fire here in the last couple of weeks is my buddy, Jordan Kalish. Uh, you know him as our Celebrity Apprentice chief correspondent uh, that he has been going back into the history books and has been talking about this week in Survivor history and people have really liked going down memory lane and over the tw- you know, 12 how many years? Uh, 14 year history of Survivor almost that he has been going through and telling us about what has been happening every single week so I figured let's have him on here for this week in Survivor history Sponsored by our friends at Hulu Plus. Jordan, are you there? I'm here. How are you, Rob? Uh, I am doing very good. And uh, thank you very much for taking a look back at the history of Survivor, the TV show, and telling us about things that have been going on uh, at this week in Survivor history. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been having a lot of fun doing it. I kind of had the idea uh, last year uh, when we were when uh, I was actually at the shooting for uh, Reality Game Masters. And I was kind of thinking about it when, when there was a break during the shooting. And I was like, this would be a cool idea to do. There's so many Survivor fans out there. There's so many historic players and even players who at the time were very popular but don't get a lot of coverage today. So I thought it would be fun to go to go back, look at some of the great season, the, the great moments, uh, funny moments, uh, strategic moments, and bring it all together in a block. All right, Jordan. So tell us, what are some of the notable things that happened in Survivor history here in the third week of March? Well, I started actually by with your season, Survivor Amazon. So oh, this episode was 11 years ago yesterday, Wednesday, um, March 19th, 2003. And... Uh, I usually just talk about one moment from a particular episode, but this was actually I, this is one of my favorite uh, episodes ever in the history of Survivor. Um, if you remember the uh, the, re- the reward challenge, it was the one where um, you would have uh, matchups between a man versus a man or a woman ver- versus the woman uh, trying to balance on a log. And um, Butch Lockley actually defeated both you and Matt Vonnerfelde um, in the individual matchups. So I was thinking about it like Butch wasn't is, isn't really known as a, a challenge beast or anything. But I thought about it. This challenge involved a, a long piece of firewood. So, I mean, is, is, anyone, <laughs> is that why he had it like up yeah, on that? I mean, I don't think anyone is going to beat Butch in a challenge with, with a huge piece of wood. <laughs> I could not have been less interested in being on (laughs) rolling the log against people, the lumberjack uh, challenge. (laughs) And it was such a stupid reward, too. It was like the reward (laughs) in the challenge was like, uh, okay, it's spices and like uh, some some garnish. Yeah, no. Like it was not a a great reward. No, I'm surprised. And that is a tough challenge. I think since then they've used it as an immunity challenge. Uh, I know they had it actually on Survivor All-Stars as well. Um, and I think they've done mm-hmm. it a few times since. So, no, it's a, it's a fun challenge to watch. I think it's uh, um, the strategy is really to, to be aggressive in that challenge because you have people who think they sit back, uh, let the other person do all the work. But then the other person kind of controls the log and, and uh, the one who sat back ends up falling in. So. All right. Well, that uh, Jordan, I don't want to hear about challenges that I that I've lost in the last uh, this week in Survivor history. Come on, give me some, give me something where I could really sink my teeth into. Okay, well, this is actually also a challenge that that your tribe unfortunately lost. Um, but this is uh, if you want to sink your teeth into a challenge, 
This is the swinging meat challenge. Uh, oh, this was the immunity challenge in the same episode. Uh, it involved two big hunks of meat hanging from uh, from a rope or something. And the, the goal of the challenge was for the, uh, both tribes to try to bite off as, as much of the meat as they can, spit it into a bowl, and the team with the most meat in their bowl would win immunity. And this challenge, I, I mean, I, this isn't an, an official stat, but I'm pretty sure this is the challenge with the most un, uh, unintentional, inappropriate comments from Jeff Grove. So would you like to hear a few of them? <laughs> yeah, you know, let's let everybody go and check those out on the website. But g- give me the best one. Uh, the best one, I would have to say it, it's it's um, OK. This is uh, Jeff Probst. Roger can't get it out of his mouth. It's stuck in his teeth. Wow. Butch just took a piece out of Roger's mouth. That's teamwork. <laughs> and then I don't I don't know what's going on there to make that <laughs> inappropriate. I don't know. You, you might have to use your imagination <laughs> a little bit. But then there's one. more. I don't want it. Just this one's actually from Jenna Maraska. And this one involves you. Get that off, Rob. Get that huge piece. OK, there you go. Uh, all right. What about in the non Survivor Amazon category? What else happened in the third week of March in Survivor history? OK, so we have uh, Survivor Palau here. Uh, this is March 16th, 2005, nine years ago this Sunday. So this is a few days ago now. Um, if you remember Survivor Palau, the Oolong tribe lost every single immunity challenge. And since they lost every single immunity challenge, they went to every single tribal council. However, in this episode, at the beginning of the uh, when the, when the show started, they managed to lose their way from tribal council back to camp. Now, I don't know how this is possible because they had been there four times in the past twelve days, but they they managed to top their incompetence and uh, and get lost in the dark on the way back from tribal council, which I don't think has ever happened before to another tribe. Yeah, I don't even understand that how that even happens. How you because you don't like a little little survivor production secret like you're not really responsible for getting maybe that wasn't this way in every single season but for the most part the tribal council location is not within walking distance of the camp so i don't know how they actually got lost (laughs) like it's not like jeff probst is like sitting there like it's seven o'clock how come the tribe's not here yet like (laughs) the production makes sure that the tribe gets to tribal council and gets back to the camp so i don't understand how that's even possible that you can get lost coming back from the camp i I don't know if they just got lost from where they got them back from tribal council that that doesn't even make sense but it it makes sense that the worst tribe ever in survivor history would get lost Yeah, i mean if anyone's going to do it it would be the oolong tribe or potentially if uh if the brains tribe uh wasn't wasn't uh uh, merged into the other tribes uh, this week. Uh, maybe they would have done it if they still had Jatia. But hey, they're on the upswing. Yeah, they, they are. You know what? They're in a great spot now. All right. So, what else happened this week in Survivor history? Okay, this is uh, the the um, this is March twenty first, two thousand twelve, uh, two years ago. So most of you guys probably remember this one. Uh, this was actually Colton's medevac in uh, in Survivor One World. Um. Oh, no. Yeah, so you know, on that season they called it a medevac, a medevac, but of course, Probst has since said that he quit that season. So it's a little bit uh, hazy as to what actually happened. Um, but this was also, the, you know, this was the episode where Kat had her famous uh, confusion when it came to what appendicitis was, and she she was very concerned at tribal council uh, since since she found out other people on her tribe had the uh, had the disease. She thought she was going to catch it. I think. Um, and <laughs> are you dateable if you get appendicitis? Um, only if you make the merge. 
<laughs> okay. Now, do you go back and do you actually watch the episodes to do the research for this, or do you have other means of, of figuring all this stuff out? I do a few things, actually. The, the first thing I do is I either go to uh, the Survivor wiki page, or I just go to regular Wikipedia and kind of get, get a general uh, outline of what happened in the episode. When I see something that looks interesting or, or, or kind of brings me back and, and makes me say, I really want to write about this, or I really want to talk about this, uh, I look further into it. I, I go to YouTube videos. I, um, I, I actually, ha- I, I think for the, for next week, I, I hadn't thought about this before. I might go to a site like Survivor Sucks and see what was kind of said about that episode during the time to get a feeling of um, what the you know the viewer consensus was during that episode. Uh, but I also actually for the for the Amazon one, since I covered the whole episode, I basically watched um, in bits and pieces. I probably watched about half of the episode. So. Uh, I don't watch the the whole episode for all of them, but I do try to watch the whole scene of what I, uh, from what I'm from what I'm uh, writing about. Yeah, and just also it, that Shauna gets voted out in that episode. It was actually sort of a crazy night that episode happened because Shauna was getting voted out, and that was also the night that the U.S. or U.N. forces uh, first invaded Iraq that night. Uh-huh. So it was sort of it was a, it was a really crazy <laughs> day on the early show where it's like, oh, all right, continuing coverage of we've launched a military strike against Iraq. Later on, we're going to talk with Shauna from Survivor. <laughs> but we're going to continue. So she really got pushed like uh, really far into the show. But it is even ridiculous that they even talked to her on the early show the morning after we launched a military action on Iraq. Yeah, I, I had no idea about that. I, w- I wish I actually found out about that before. I would have put it in the block. <laughs> well, you can feel free to interview me for any future uh, Survivor uh, this week in. Uh, and maybe one day, Jordan, we could start doing uh, this week in Rob has a podcast. I think that's a good idea. You know, the, you know, talk about the first time the, uh, the, the podcast bell was dinged, the first time the tablet buzzer <laughs> came in, uh, the first uh, parody song. I think that's actually a really good idea. Go back and uh, the Rebecca Black Friday podcast was actually a couple weeks ago. Um, well, three years ago, a couple of weeks ago. Well, it was actually a contentious sort of thing with Colton when he got voted out and Richard, I had interviewed Richard Hatch that week. And I think it was maybe the first time I interviewed Richard Hatch since he had served his uh, jail sentence the second time. And Richard Hatch really was super critical of Colton. And then Colton went on Twitter and called Richard Hatch a bunch of names. And then so I interviewed Colton and, and we got his feedback. So uh, that was, I, bel- I guess, I guess two years ago. Yeah, no, I, I remember that. That podcast. I remember Richard being very cr- critical of him, and I think Colton's sort of. I, I mean, I, I try not to put my opinions into these blogs. I think he kind of showed his true colors in those uh, th- those that, that Twitter war with uh, with Richard Hatch, where he was kind of in the interview with you. He was saying, "Oh, I'm not really like that on TV. I'm, I'm I've, I've changed. I'm, I I don't attack people like I did on the show." But then he went right around and did it to Richard Hatch. So I, I mean. And then he and then he quit on his next season. So I'm I'm not I'm not the biggest Colton fan in the world, uh, and I kind of mentioned that in my blog as well. All right, well, Jordan, keep up the great work on this week in Survivor history. And this segment is brought to you by our friends over at Hulu Plus. Uh, Jordan, Hulu Plus will let you watch thousands of hit TV shows and movies in the living room or on the go on your smartphone or tablet. And in addition to a bunch of past seasons of Survivor, they've got more than half of the Survivor seasons up there on Hulu Plus. You could watch your favorite TV shows like Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Kimmel, Shark Tank, and Scandal. Plus, you can go back and watch shows like Lost, Law & Order, SVU, Doctor Who, and Community, and check out Hulu originals like The Wrong Man's 
and Behind the Mask, the new docuseries that takes you inside the world of sports mascots. And we'll have to ask uh, AJ Mass about that when we talk to him uh, later on this week in uh, his uh when we get down to 12 people uh, because he just wrote his book about sports mascots. Plus you'll also get all sorts of access to ad free movies and kids content for just seven 99 a month. So catch up on current shows and binge on your old favorites and catch a great movie. And Jordan, so Hulu plus would be great for you, Jordan, when you go back and and watch these seasons, I think they have, they have survivor one. And then I think, uh, either 11 or 12 all the way through 26. So, uh, basically uh the whole back half of the season and then the first one they have on hulu plus yeah that's awesome i'll definitely uh you know what check out hulu plus i'll go back and i'll watch some uh, some old survivor episodes it'll help out the block all right so for the listeners of rob as a podcast get two weeks for free of hulu plus uh it's only 7.99 a month and of course you do get the two weeks free uh when you sign up at huluplus.com slash rob that's huluplus.com slash r-o-b for two weeks free of Hulu Plus. Jordan, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, buddy. Bye. All right, everybody. So I thought it was kind of perfect timing that we were going to have this guy here with us on a week where a professional athlete gets voted out of Survivor. Mm -hmm. Here he is. You know him from uh, ESPN, a.k.a. Pod Vader. Here he is, the one and only Jay Soderberg. Jay, how are you? Rob, it's a pleasure to be here. I mean, I'm on the best produced podcast of 2013. I am the best producer in my own mind. I mean, this should be the best podcast of all time. This should be. This should be. Uh, we'll see how that, how it goes in practice. Uh, practice? You're talking about practice? <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. Uh, Pod Vader is on, on fire. Uh, Pod, what is your official title other than uh, Lord of Darkness? <laughs> I am the ESPN digital audio producer. Okay. That's the, that's the, the official. Yeah, that's the official title. I like, to yeah. con- but as you know, I like to consider myself the dark lord of the pod. So yes, and you you are also a big not only a reality TV fan, but a big Survivor fan and a a avid listener of the Rob as a podcast. Yes, I do enjoy listening to the podcast. I love sending out the tweet in the morning and you being amazed that I've listened to the entire podcast already. Yeah, because you're usually, I'll do like a two and a half hour show, I'll upload it Thursday night, and then I wake up on Friday morning and you're the first one in the clubhouse telling me that they finished the podcast, which is pretty amazing because I know how busy you are. Well, when you wake up at 4.30 a.m., it's <laughs> you have a head start. Di- on yeah, it's not that difficult. <laughs> All right. So, Jay, what has been uh, your take on, on the season and, and specifically on the departure of Cliff Robinson last night? It was disappointing to see Cliff, but after listening to your interview with him earlier today, Rob, I managed to listen to that on my commute way home. Uh, he's a lot smarter than I gave him credit for. Uh, he uh, he was definitely a threat to be considered with, and they considered him. Yeah, he was good. I thought Cliff did a very nice job in the in the interview with me, and he says he was a big fan of the show. And so if if he sa- if he says it, then you know. I, I mean, I can't imagine that he was, you know, watching too much Survivor during his NBA playing days. But who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, when's the off season? Is there a Survivor in the off season? No, they're off in the summer, right? Yeah, they're off in the summer. But maybe he caught them on DVR or on tape back in the day. He could have been watching. I mean, there's a lot of downtime in hotel rooms for basketball players. Yeah. Jay, do you think that being on a professional sports team is at all good practice for a game like Survivor? 
yes. I, the, you are definitely put through stresses that the normal person would not be going through that will help you deal with the stresses I'm sure that you would go through on Survivor. Surely the challenges translates pretty evenly, I would imagine. Like, you know, it's a big physical competition. Like that part makes sense. But what about the social game? Do you feel like a professional sports team or the environment around a locker room is similar to a tribal dynamic on Survivor? No, that's where that's where you're going to have trouble. But the mental aspect, the mental toughness of of the game is where you're going to have an edge over the other competitors. Socially, no, because socially you're used to be treated like a god and people bowing down before you because you're an athlete in America. Uh, that's not going to translate so well socially in the game. Now, how would you have played it if you were on a tribe with somebody like a Cliff Robinson? Would you have been like a Wu or would you have been more like a Tony? Oh, I totally would have ratted him out. The second, <laughs> the second I saw him, I would have been like, Cliff, how are you? The best part about Cliff is he is one of the original UConn players. I being from the state of Connecticut, uh, you know, it was sort of heartbreaking in that manner as well to see a former Husky go down. It's very disappointing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, there's going to be some upsets, especially this weekend. Uh, upsets? I don't know what you're talking about. My billion-dollar bracket's out. I don't, I don't care about <laughs> March Madness anymore at all. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, this, is Mar- this is March Madness, where we're going to uh, listen to voicemails from the listeners of Rob Has a Podcast. That's our March Madness. I'm down. I'm excited for this. This should be fun. All right, so we're going to get into the voicemails, and then, of course, uh, we're going to get into everything from the social media. And again, it was a, a, another crazy night on the so- social media with the survivors. But let's go ahead and, and let's start. Okay, so l- let me give you, I, I have a couple specific uh, voicemail questions for you, okay? But uh, they're sort of in the same vein, so I'm going to ask you to pick which one you want. I'm going to give you a choice, okay? We're going to either do Ooh. A or B. Okay, so first off, let me give you the one from Brian from Indy. Okay, this is option number, option A for you. Okay. Hey, Rob, it's uh, Brian Bosma from uh, Indy calling. Uh, just uh, excited to uh, season so far. Great episodes. Tribal Counts is really keeping me guessing. Also, great editing, editing job. Never really know who's going home. I was excited to hear you have uh, Pod Vader joining you for voicemails uh, for this episode the best crossover for me between fantasy sport, my love of fantasy sports and Survivor. Uh, with him joining you, I was hoping you guys could do a name game with the remaining players left on to who you think has the best chances to make it to the end. Uh, hope all is well, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so that was option A. That's okay? strong. That's very strong. That was option A. And now uh, here is uh, option B. All right, so that was option A, okay? So you could take that question, or we could do this one. This is Will from Seattle. Hey, Rob. Hey, Bob Vader. It's Will from Seattle. Getting excited for the tournament tomorrow. I think it's time that we need some seeds on these survivor players. What do you say? Put it on the board! Okay, so... Where do you want to go here? Do you want to, A, do you want a name game with the rest of the survivors that are in the game? Or B, do you want to seed a March Madness bracket? Uh, there's only 14 people, I guess 13 people left in the game now. So we can't really uh, do, get a 16 seed unless we brought in some of the old people. Then, so what would we rather do? A name game or no. you want to seed, you, you want to seed we're, we're a, a bracket? Do, no, no, no. We're going to do a name game. Name Okay. Game. 
Pod Vader goes with the name game. All right. So uh, let's let's start off. Okay. Uh, let's do a, a, a name game. I don't have a drop. Do you have anything ready for me? Uh, no. Please. No, okay. Uh, I'm the no. guest. I'm not the producer, Rob. Come on. I thought you might, ha- I thought you might have a uh, Rob, Rob is a podcast uh, name game drop. Yeah. I, I created one just for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So here we go. Let's start out with the two people that were on, that were the defectors to vote with the beauty tribe. Uh, who do you like, Trish or Tony? I'm going to go with Tony, but Tony has definitely now put himself in a really bad position. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do. Boy, I, I think I'm going to take Trish. I think mm. that Tony is more likely to play himself out of the game, and I kind of feel like once she gets to the merge, I feel like nobody's coming for Trish. She's got to make it to the merge. I feel and, like Trish is in is in this for the long haul. Now, do, were you in love with with Trish as a fellow Boston person? Listen, Trish is one classy broad there, uh, <laughs> Rob. But uh, yeah, she, you wouldn't know anything about that, you New Yorker. You know, yeah, she was scaring me a little bit. She's like, "We're effing Boston, okay? <laughs> That's right, we're effing Boston." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Boston strong, baby. Boston strong. Uh, the problem with Trish, and you alluded to it last night, even though you didn't want to, spoiler alert, is she could be gone next week if what we're led to believe comes to fruition with Lindsay. All right, well, you're, all right, well, you're talking about the, the, the preview, so let's just give a fair warning. We're going to talk about the previews a little bit. Why? What do you think is going to happen in the previews that's going to be a problem for Trish? I think, if anything, it looks like it's going to be a problem for Lindsay. Well, you don't think if they're both throwing haymakers, they're both getting the axe? Yeah, but I saw Jeff Probst talking to Lindsay, not to Trish. Well, we all know we're not supposed to believe in those, those previews anyway, but I don't know. We'll see. Would it make you happy if one of the first people ever expelled from Survivor was from Boston? Yes, that would be <laughs> that would be fantastic. Another the mark way, of greatness. Your car went viral uh, this week. That you have a a, a vehicle that is uh, very very unique. And uh, Colin Coward tweeted a picture of it, uh, and it's also been uh, mentioned quite a bit. Can you tell people what is so special about your car? The Patsmobile. It is uh, it is a nineteen ninety eight. Navy blue Chevy Cavalier covered in Patriot stickers. And when I say covered, I mean covered. Yeah. So basically Trish would take a ride from you anywhere. Oh, I got to believe as soon as I drove up, (laughs) Trish is jumping on in. So if your car was the car giveaway this season, Trish would just go all out trying to win. I I would have to think that would be the case if she's a true Bostoner. (laughs) It certainly Everybody sounds else like would it. throw it. <laughs> Everybody else would throw it for the Patriot Mobile, but uh, for Trish, she would be all in. I'm taking offers on the Patriot Mobile, by the way, Rob. The first one hundred thousand dollars gets the <laughs> whoa, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's a all deal. right. So, all right, so we're in, still in the middle of a name game. We got okay. distracted. I know. I know. You know that 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 can happen. I don't know what times. you're talking about. All right, so let's go uh, back to the the former the tribe formerly known as the Brains Tribe, uh, the Apari Tribe. Uh, in your name game, you want Cass or Tasha? Between the two, I will go with Tasha. I think, man, that's a tough one. I think Tasha is definitely more into the game and playing the game right now. Cass is sort of sitting back, and that might be the best strategy but i 
feel like the person actually playing the game is actually going to end up staying in the game. I just feel like if Cass makes the merge, who's ever voting out Cass? When is it, I mean, put her in the final four if she gets to, if she makes it two more weeks. Well, I think you guys sort of alluded to it last night as well. Uh, all three of those guys are in the driver's seat, and that could be your final three. That could be. I, it's amazing. It's such a turnaround. <laughs> I, I can't get over it. So then let's go ahead. Um, let's jump around. How about Alexis or Jeremiah? I think that's Alexis. I think they're voting Jeremiah off um, because I think if, if I'm that team, I'm believing in the strength that I already have, and I don't need Jeremiah for that. Okay. How about Wu or Morgan? Well, personally, I would keep Morgan around as long as I possibly could, but I believe, well, no, you know what? I'll go with what you've been saying uh, you're swinging me here, Rob. I'm going to have to vote Wu out. I think Wu's too big of a threat. Too big of a He's challenge prob- threat. Probably a big threat, and this is right around the time that you want to get rid of a guy like that. All right, and let's do one more. How about uh, LJ or Spencer? Uh, again, I think it's got to go to Spencer. I think if you're going to the challenges, you want to go up against LJ before you want to go up against Spencer, especially if it's a brainy one. So give me, who's somebody good to compare uh, with LJ? LJ or who? LJ or Sarah? LJ or Sarah? Hmm. I'll take LJ. Ooh, this is, I feel like Sarah is going to, oh, this is very, <laughs> this is a very good, tough one. <sighs> uh, it's Boston strong, Rob. Boston, Boston strong. It's Boston strong. Uh I guess LJ, but it's close. It's he graduated right. from Saugus. <laughs> yeah, there you go. F in Boston. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh, all right, some non-Pod Vader specific questions. Okay. And let's go ahead and let's take one. This is from let's this is from Jimmy. And Jimmy has a question about the immunity idols this season. I know you've been listening, so I know you're going to know what we're talking about. Hey, Rob, this is Jimmy from San Francisco, and I have a question about Medea's hidden immunity idol. If neither LJ nor Tony use their idols before the merge, do they both become super idols post-merge? And if so, how will that affect dynamics and alliances? Will they both be able to try and pull some sort of Yul Kwan move? Uh, yeah, just wanted your thoughts. Thanks. All right, Pod. So you know about the Super Idol, right? Yes. Okay. So the Super Idol happens after the merge, allegedly. But do you think that there will be a new idol that gets brought out after the merge? Or do you think that old idols will then uh, acquire that power? I would have to think the old idols would acquire the power. Ooh. I- well, I mean, it it would seem sort of foolish to put out another new idol. I mean, how many idols are we going to put out there? Ten? Everybody gets an idol. It's like the Incredibles when everyone's super, no one is. Now everyone's got an idol. <laughs> I disagree. I, I think that they will 
put out a new idol, maybe a gold, the golden idol of, you know, whatever, the <laughs> platinum power of idol. And then that one, because when are they going to announce? It, it seems almost like the show is fixed if they say, by the way, if anybody has a hidden immunity idol, now it has more powers when there's already immunity idols in circulation. I mean, it feels like the game is being rigged for LJ or Tony. If at that point they say, if you have an idol, guess what? It's even more powerful than we have. We're changing the rules on the fly now, and we're actually giving you more powers for the idols you already have. I get that, but let's face it, this new idol is stupid anyway. <laughs> You're very anti the can <laughs> I, idol. Can I, can I text Probst? Can I, can I send him a text and just be like, hey, Jeff, I've got an idea for an idol. Let's call it the Pod Vader idol. Well, does Jeff play fantasy sports? I mean, if he did, he then I feel like you would have an, have an in. I feel, yeah, I feel like the in to Jeff is that, so you know, it's like six degrees of separation. So it's like, uh, you work with Matthew Berry, who does the fantasy league for the Stern show, who Jeff Probst is a, is the Stern super fan. So if you could sort of just go through, get Matthew, again, this would be a lot, a lot of moving parts here with this plan. <laughs> get Matthew to get, you know, uh, people from the Stern show then to tell him to make him tell him like, uh, oh, you know, Baba Booey says you should make the idol, whatever. <laughs> then uh, Jeff might maybe you could somehow trump the uh, Tyler Perry. That would be nice, although I fear that it would become the Baba Booey idol and not the Pod Vader idol. And, <laughs> and frankly, I want the Pod Vader idol. What would the Pod Vader idol be like? You don't like the Tyler Perry idol. The Pod Vader idol would give you the ability to ignore everything that's happening and still come out on top. Can I let me give you the uh ro- the Rob Sisternino idol, okay? Okay. Here's here's the idol. You find it, it explodes in 3 days. <laughs> like, like must it. be used, must be used in 3 days. And I mean, it can't literally explode. It's not like uh, a you know, a time bomb or anything. But basically, okay, from the time that you have it, you you have 3 days to play this idol. I like it. I like it. And Make it happen. You you force the action to probe strike. Make it happen. We'll Rob. Co- all right, we'll call it in honor of Cliff Robinson. We'll call this the shot clock idol. Ooh, even better. <laughs> you have 72 hours. It's, or we can call it the, the Jack Bauer idol. No, 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 okay. no. I like I like the shot clock idol. Shot clock idol. Done. Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. This is a, uh, a question about maybe a new bromance that could be brewing on the show. Hi, Rob. This is Alahi from all the way in New Zealand. My thoughts are just surrounding Jeremiah. What do you think about him reaching out to Spencer and the two of them becoming bros, thereby becoming the fourth with the brains? Those guys quite literally pulled the weight in those last challenges, and maybe Spencer is getting a bit sick of only being surrounded by not super helpful girls. Love to hear your thoughts, and I love the podcast. Thanks. Okay, Pod. Alahi wants to know, could we see a bromance between Spencer and Jeremiah? We could, will we? I don't think so. I think I don't Jer- think so. I think Jeremiah is linked up with those two girls now, and I think that's his best shot of making it to the end. I don't know because Jeremiah seemed he was throwing both those girls under the bus. Oh, Jeremiah! For Jeremiah's out. Jeremiah has no shot at all. So, at there, point. yeah, what would be the point of Spencer broing down with Jeremiah? Right. Exactly. Yeah, there will be no bromance between Spencer and Jeremiah. I dare say there'll be no bromance for Spencer at all. 
Whoa, he's got to bro down with somebody. You think he's just going to go with all the women? Because then you run the risk of the all girls thing happening. You do. But when, again, going back to that great Incredibles quote, when everybody's a woman, no one is. (laughs) I guess so. By the way, four out of five of the first people voted out are all men. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, of course, it it took the brains tribe to be stupid to make that happen. Yeah. I mean, Spencer is like a, you know, top three immunity threat at this point almost. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I guess you still have Jeremiah, you still have LJ, Sarah's in the mix. Um, but I guess then Tony is like, uh, I guess Wu and Lindsay. So he's not there yet. He's, he's working his way into the top five, just outside the top five <laughs> right now. Uh, if Spencer was smart, he'd be trying to form a bromance with Morgan. That would be the move. What? what, She's a dude? Well, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) What what a twist that would be. That would be an incredible twist. That would be very very, frightening. (laughs) All right. How about uh, this is a question from Morty about the commercials. Hey, Rob. It's Morty from New York. I was just wondering, what do you think about the CVS promo department spoiling another episode? Just wanted to hear your thoughts. Love the show. Bye. Okay, now I assume he's referring to that they had commercials this week which showed you what the tribes were going to be after the swap. I, fortunately, I didn't watch anything that I saw those commercials on. So I was actually, I was going into the episode blind. But I don't really know if I would have seen it, I, would, I wouldn't have been upset. Does it bother you? Would it have bothered you to see the tribes ahead of time in a commercial? It would have driven me crazy. It happened during the football season. Uh, yeah. that, that uh, they showed that the rock draw was going to happen, uh, which got me very upset because I was like, well, now watching 50 minutes of the show is pretty much useless. But uh, I fortunately don't watch a lot of CBS, so I don't have to worry about that. Pod, you're not watching the Millers? What, what, what is that? I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a renewed for season two. <laughs> really? Well, congratulations yeah. to Cochran. <laughs> pretty much, uh, no, pretty much, it's the Amazing Race and Survivor. That's it for me on CBS. Okay, you've been happy with Amazing Race so far this season. Yes. Yeah. Very Who's nice. your team in Amazing Race All Stars? You know, uh, I hate to be that guy, but I think I like the Cowboys the best. Why? What about the Cowboys? I don't know. I just, you know, one, they're fantastic at the challenges. They they show up at a challenge and it's done in two seconds flat. But uh, I don't know. They entertain me. I thought you were a Brenchel man. Yeah, no. They can, <laughs> they can go home. I'm good. I'm good with Brenchel. All right. Uh, let's take a question from Zandra. Uh, wants to know about uh, the former Braun Beach. Hey, Rob. This is Zandra from Boston. I'm uh, wondering Boston. what will happen to the spy shack now that Tony has left the Apari Beach. Could Sarah use it as leverage to form a new alliance? And which new Apari members would you be interested in seeing interact with the Spy Shack the most? Thanks very much. Bye. Uh, Jay, are you a fan of the Spy Shack? Spy Shack is great, but does Sarah (laughs) know about the Spy Shack? 
<laughs> no, nobody about the spy shack. It's it's like the Bat Cave. The only way to get to the spy shack is to be uh, brought in by Tony. He puts the buff over your head, <laughs> spins you around six times, and then brings you to the spy shack, and then pulls the thing off your head, and then that's when you get to see the spy shack. You don't just get. You don't know where the spy shack is. I uh, well then yeah I mean no one's getting into the spy shack this is this is very disappointing we need more spy shack the question is will Tony build a new spy shack on the new uh, I guess the new Solana beach I don't know if he could get away with it because the other folks are going to see hey we just got an addition to the shelter somewhere it's just this big pile of leaves but I don't know well, I don't know where it came from well, maybe he threw everybody off the scent. That might be the the key to the new spy shack. It, that's why that's why he caused so much chaos, so that he would they wouldn't notice when he's building a spy shack the next day. Uh, that would be interesting to see. Okay, so this is a sort of a outlandish theory about Tony, but it got me thinking, and I think that uh, Chris makes some good points here. So here's a uh, Chris from Commerce, Texas, and uh, he's got a theory about Tony. Hey, Rob, this is Chris from Commerce, Texas. I was listening to Know It All's podcast with Stephen after uh, Tony ended up voting out Cliff last night on a swing vote, and I've been thinking here, and I'd like to discuss this on the show. I think that Tony made a genius decision. Not only that, but I think he possibly threw the challenge uh, because you know that they were very, very far ahead when they got to the first door. Um, suddenly on the second door, they kind of fell apart, and then as the puzzle came, he right afterwards was saying, Oh, how could that happen? And he wasn't saying it, like, into the dirt. He was looking at the faces of the people around him to gauge their response. I think that he sabotaged just enough of that challenge to make sure that they went to tribal. And then when they went to tribal, what he had to realize is, you know, he's a cop. He's got a, I was watching Departed last night. I think he's killing all the witnesses. The only people that know about, that they were involved in this Sarah lie that he told so that she would hate Cliff, were Lindsay and Cliff. He has to make sure he gets rid of them before the merge because when he's reunited with Sarah, there will be no witnesses to the lie that he told and she'll be totally on board with him and say, listen, I did this out of loyalty. I got rid of them for you. And so now we've got some people here in LJ and uh, Trish and Jeffra that are going to be really on board with us going forward and then Sarah's going to be able to reunite with them. And I think that Tony made a genius play. He gets to keep his title. Nobody knows about it. You know, he's getting rid of all the witnesses from before. He's getting rid of all the strength on bronze so that when they go to the merge, it's just going to be a bunch of weaklings in him and Sarah. I think it's absolutely genius, and I didn't have any faith in him in the beginning, but I think this is the most intelligent gameplay I've seen of the season so far, perhaps. Uh, let me know what you think on the next show. Thanks. Bye. All right, Pod. So did Tony take a page out of the departed? Is he is he killing all off all the witnesses to the crime? Or as Stephen Fishback likes to say, is this purely a work of fan fiction? Yeah, there's two problems here with uh with that voicemail. One, the departed is from Boston, New York. Yes. And Tony is from New York. He, as soon as he turned on the departed, he turned it right off and said, I can't watch that crap. <laughs> is that what happened? That's what happened. Uh, the second problem is that Tony doesn't have any numbers. If he knocks off his entire tribe, he's left with only two. And as we've learned, two is not five. And five is more than two. And that goes into seven. I've lost my Brad Culpepper math. 
Well, what I think what Chris was saying was that so what Tony had to do was because he sold this lie to everybody of, hey, we have to throw the challenge because Cliff and Lindsay were planning on going back and uh, voting out Sarah. So he had to take out Cliff and then Lindsay because then they were the only two people that could say, no, that's not true. What I don't understand is why didn't Wu ever talk to Cliff and say, hey, Cliff, by the way, there was a whole thing last week where there was everybody was trying to throw the challenge to get you out. Like, it seems like that would have been useful information to Cliff. Uh, yeah, that is a good point that I didn't think of until you just brought it up right now. I wish now. I would have asked Cliff Robinson about that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing that we uh, that we just thought of that. I don't again. Tony simply doesn't have enough numbers. He can vote out everybody in his tribe, but there's only two of them. There's still three people in the Brains tribe, and you know that they're going to pull one of those people from the Beauty tribe. The Beauty tribe is completely in shambles, uh, so they're all going to be free agents, and they're going to be picked off one by one. Okay. Let's take a question from Matthew Forsyth, one of the great voicemail callers. Who's Matthew? What's up, Robin Pye? Matt Forsyth here. When the tribe switched last night, we saw Alexis very quickly flip-flop over to the Brains tribe to try to start a new alliance with them, which at first I thought was a really good idea because you want to be the first one in their ear to sort of pitch your story. However, we then saw a confessional with Spencer talking about how he was kind of turned off by how desperate she was. So what I want to know is, what's the proper way to play that? Do you immediately go up to the person and offer an alliance with them at the risk of becoming desperate, or you sit back, wait a little while, and then form an alliance with them a little bit later on after you get to know them. Thanks. All right, Pod, what do you think? Is when you, if there's a situation, let's not get into whether she should have flipped or whether the beauty people should have stayed together, because I kind of feel like. Uh, the best move for those three beauty people might have been to say, "Hey, let's get over our differences and let's let's work together and let's try to take let's try to recruit rather than let's all go out and be free agents." But it seems like all three of those guys decided, "Hey, I'm gonna let's all go be free agents." So, which one of them you think has the best plan? Is it the person who goes first or the person who acts last? I do think it's the person that goes first. Uh, if Spencer's a true nerd. Uh, then we all know he's going to go right for the desperate girl. He's just as desperate. <laughs> hey, now. Uh, in fairness, so to Spencer, I don't think Spencer is that nerdy. I think he's been, in our eyes, he is a nerd. But this guy is not Cochran. No, he's certainly not Cochran. Uh, yeah, that said, I mean, he's on the Brains Tribe for a reason. It doesn't matter how good looking you end up being. If you're on the Brains Tribe, you're, you're a nerd. For some reason. <laughs> um, he's nerd by association. Sure. There you go. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if you saw Spencer in real life, you wouldn't say, oh, look at this nerdy guy. No, probably not. Yeah. But I, so, would, I would definitely say you're not on the same level as Pod Vader. <laughs> well, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means I would clearly be a beauty tribe member. I mean, it's not even, oh. it's not even close. I mean, Okay. Um, so going back to the when to when to switch, I do kind of feel though like if I am somebody who is in in that brains tribe position, and now here's these three people, and let's just say uh, they they come to them in the order of you know Alexis, Morgan, Jeremiah. I almost feel like 
maybe the person in the middle might be the best because the person who who acted first is like, hey, I'm you know I'm not trustworthy. I'm willing to betray my alliance at the drop of the hat. And the person who acts last might be like, hey, I'm too slow. I realize that I'm in danger. Just go with me. Maybe the person it's like a Goldilocks situation. <laughs> I I think that might be a little classic case of overthinking, but. I mean, your logic is sound. I I mean, they've obviously got their pick of the litter, which is exactly where they want to be. Yeah. I would have a little bit of a red flag going off, though, for the person who jumps ship immediately. That scares me because if we're ever in a situation where, okay, it's, hey, the five of us need to do that, sort of like Cochrane in South Pacific, where it's like having somebody on in your alliance that you know is immediately willing to jump ship, that's that's a red flag. Okay, that's fair enough. Not like Morgan, who, according to Alexis, has about 100 red flags. <laughs> I'll bet she does. I got to leave that one alone. I work for the Disney Corporation. (laughs) All right. And speaking of red flags, let's take uh, one more question about colors. Okay. This is from our good buddy, Mikey the Chimp. Coming to you live from West Hollywood. It's the Chimp with a question about tribe names. Rob, why don't they just call the tribes red, yellow, orange, or purple? Especially in a season where they've already subslugged the tribes with names like Beauty Brains and Brawn. Nobody remembers the names of the tribes. Why don't they just call them by the colors? Is this like some ruse for the tourism board of the Philippines to keep naming different geographic regions? Thanks, Rob. Okay. This is a good question because as somebody who has to talk about the show and blog about the show, I'm always confused with the tribe names. And actually, Beauty, Brawn, Brains, this was easy for me to remember. Now we have to talk about uh, Apari and Solana and all of this stuff. So the, the question is, should we have just gone with, if it's going to be just for two weeks until we merge, should we have just had Orange Tribe and Purple Tribe? First of all, you should know that whenever I refer to this show, I always refer to it in the Rob Sesternino way. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't refer to this show as just Survivor. It's Survivor Kagayan. Kagayan. Um Jeff Probst says uh Kagayan. Ooh. Yeah, no. Um it it will always be Kagayan to me. Kagayan. <laughs> yeah. But uh oh, we froze. Am I still there? Good, You're good. still here. Excellent. Um to me, it doesn't matter. I don't. I don't care what they call them. It's clearly that's exactly what you're talking about. Is exactly why they do it. They're doing it as sort of a nod to the place where they're taping the show, and it's been that way for how many seasons are we on now? Twenty eight. Yeah. So I mean, it's tradition. You're you're not going to mess with tradition. This is a podcast. It's been that way for eight years. We're not going to rename this into uh, digital audio on demand. (laughs) How about some sort of like Filipino sounding word that sounds like purple or orange? Uh, Should we call it uh, tiki or or, um, the Uso? Let's call it it the Usos. Uh, We'll have the Usos tribe and the... um, uh, Samoa Joe tribe. How about that? <laughs> Samoa Joe. <laughs> what, what's the significance of Usos? Uh, they're they're the uh, Samoan tag team champions in the WWE right now. Come oh, on, Rob. Get it together. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My my kid's not old enough to watch that. 
All right. So uh, that's the voicemail. Of course, uh, every week uh, we're going to take your voicemails. Uh, Rob has a website.com slash voicemail or 323-282-RHAP. All right. So every week we like to chronicle the inappropriate comments that are said between Jeff Probst and some of the contestants uh, this season. And last night was was sort of a, uh, there was a lot of different directions that we can go in. We had the whole thing, everything with the poll, and people were tweeting me all night about uh, what's going on uh, what's going on with the poll, or hold, he's holding on to his poll. You had a log in the challenge. So people were, were all over the map with Jeff's inappropriate comments. Uh, so then you had uh, people sitting on top of each other and all, sort, all sorts of stuff. So, we had, so I'm going to give you where I decided to go with this. I had to make an executive decision on this. All right, here, let me go with, here's the runner-up. Here's our silver medalists from Jeff Probst last night. Jeff Probst, out of context, inappropriate, quote, silver medal performance. Here we go. Everybody, open your little package. All right. (laughs) Everybody, open your little package. Where's the comedy goalie? (laughs) Everybody, open your little package. Okay. Open your little package. And now I'm going to go with uh, my gold medalist. This is the one that made me laugh the most. All right. Also from Jeff Probst. Uh, about in, in, the sa- uh, in the same sequence. Uh, here we go. It is big. It is beautiful. And you are going to love it. Okay. Uh, it is big. It is beautiful. And you are going to love it. How does that describe uh, donuts and coffee? Uh, that... I don't care how it describes donuts and coffee. We, that that somebody from the RHAP universe has to combine that Probst line with the Tony line. For the Tony oh. out of context line is quite possibly the greatest audio I've ever heard. So it would go something like, It is big, it is beautiful, and you are going to love it. This is huge. <laughs> I needed this. Ooh. Ooh. No, now you got to play the Probst. <laughs> <laughs> it is big, it is beautiful, and you are going to love it. It's got to be mixed together. <laughs> Everybody, open your little package. There you go. <laughs> so, we, it is uh, big, it is beautiful, you're going to love it. How is it, if you were ever like... um let's say you're having a party okay and you had a bunch of people over and they're like oh okay so uh, oh hey hey pod vader uh you have, you have any snacks like w- w- would you ever say uh hold on a second what what take a look at this it is big it is beautiful and you're going to love it how does that <laughs> describe a plate of donuts and coffee uh well, it, it could. It, it's a big plate, and it's beautiful because you haven't had anything like this to eat in quite some time, and you're going to love it for sure. Okay. All right. So uh, the survivors were very active, uh, as usual, on on the Twitter. But let me start off here. So we talked about this a little bit with uh, Jatia last week of whether or not the survivors are over the line at all tweeting about the show. And there's been a little bit of a, of a feud that's opened up between the former survivors and the current survivors. Whereas I've heard this a couple times now from the current players feel like the previous survivors are over the top in their commentary on the season. Have you felt that that's the case? Uh, I think in some instances they have. I think in most cases they have not. I, I don't feel that anything that, that you have tweeted out has been over the top, which I think well, th- 
you know, was what Jatia was referring to during her interview with you. Okay. Well, I would have to say that I, again, I try to, uh, I realize everybody's going to read everything that's, that's about them sooner or later. So I try to always keep that in mind when I'm, when I'm tweeting, but things, things reached a boiling point between our favorite tweeter, Eliza Orleans and Tony on Twitter. And so here's what's, here's how this started. Let me take you through it. Okay. Uh, so Abby Maria started this off. She tweeted that a lot of people are rooting for Spencer. I will start paying attention. Uh, and so Spencer wrote back, I appreciate it, Abby. Uh, and Spencer is using the hashtag team, not TV. So <laughs> Tony is using the hashtag team TV and Spencer is using the hashtag team, not TV or team. Uh, yeah, not TV. And Abby Maria tweeted back Tony. Uh, so Tony Vlachos is underscore it was pound team tv and you are team not tv interesting lol i can tell by this you guys will have a feud on tv haha and uh tony wrote back spencer's just upset because i uh used to take his lunch money winky face (laughs) everything is everything is good okay but now here comes here comes eliza into the into like uh it's you know again twitter is like uh you know wwe match of the royal rumble and it's like uh eliza here she comes with a chair (laughs) and here she comes and she says uh bullies never win but they do become cops hashtag team not tv team not a bully survivor hashtag bullies are us Hmm. uh and then, and then a fan asked, uh, so you really hate cops, huh? And Eliza said, each and every day of my life. Oh, my. <laughs> and now here comes, oh, wait, here comes Sierra. <laughs> oh, and no. now S- Sierra comes out and she says, hey, that's pretty disrespectful. You don't like them until you need them. Not cool. Um, and so... Uh, Tony's basically said, hey, I'm a cool dude trying to make the best of things and have a good time. No need for arrogance, so I keep away. Um, again, we know about the Eliza and Sierra feud going right. on all the way back to uh, with that inadvertently started uh, by RHAP <laughs> when we cast Sierra on the fictional Brains Tribe. Um, Brilliant move so- by the best produced podcast. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what after all this, then this ended up having uh Tony blocked Eliza on Twitter. What? We have our first blocking. Yeah. Wow. Eliza blocked. Uh and then she tweeted, apparently I got under someone's skin tonight. Uh, hashtag, hashtag tiny Tony blocked me. Uh at Tony underscore Vlachos. Uh well once again, Rob, Tony's from where? He's from New York. Right. And where's Eliza? She's from New York. But where is she now? She's in New York. Is she? I thought there was a Boston connection there. No, I don't think I don't think this is anything. I don't think Eliza has anything to do with Boston. I could have sworn. So I, that, but that I, throws I, out Stephen Fishback's theory there. that anybody from any geographical region gets along with anybody else from the, from the same geographical region. Yes. Um, but no, Eliza, Eliza and Tony... Um, boy, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten hot and heavy out there. Okay. And 
And uh, now here comes Russell Hans. hot and heavy out there. Now we're going to do inappropriate comments. Russell, from- Russell Hans is <laughs> tweeting, uh, hey girl, uh, you, you do. Tony just doesn't understand much about this part. People gave me S at the beginning as well. Maybe she'll give you props later. Um, and Tony says, Tony has, I don't, Tony's talking in the third person. Tony's getting frustrated. <laughs> he says, Tony has nothing but respect for the entire Survivor family, but it's got to be a two-way street. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then uh, he says to, uh, hey, Russ, it's not about props. It's about being disrespectful for attention. That's effing lame. So, oh gosh. Yeah, so the Tony... Eliza feud is spilling over. Even Russell is getting involved. Uh, Sierra is getting. I think we could. We need to do a season on this. That Eliza is a little firecracker, there, Rob. She likes to stir up trouble. Eliza makes Twitter, in my opinion. Well, it would not be the same without her. The other thing is the rookies. They they do kind of need to know their place. I mean, the the season's not done yet. They certainly need to uh, hang back and and let the veterans run the course here. Well, what do you think? Which side of this argument are you on? Are you on that these former survivor players are being, are being over the top in their coming down on the current players? Or do you feel like the current players have too thin of a skin? I think the current players have way too thin of a skin. I think they, they need to, they need to sort of get over themselves right now. But that's sort of the problem, right? So they're they're now experiencing the quote unquote fame that that all of you have already experienced, and they want they want to shine during their fifteen minutes, and you know the veterans are sort of you know knocking a little bit of that shine off. But it's good that they knock a little of the shine off because they have to realize that in the end they are just another person that competed on the 28th season of a reality program. (laughs) You know, and the thing about this is, you know, back in my day, you know, well, there wasn't social media. Okay. But going back, even in recent history that they only started letting survivors tweet during the season, I believe it was in survivor redemption Island. And I think it was maybe only Boston Rob had a Twitter and then getting into then survivor one world. And so it's only been about, you know, two years now that survivors have been on Twitter during the season. And maybe that this season is a, is an argument. Maybe, maybe the survivors shouldn't be on Twitter during the season. Maybe they shouldn't be allowed to tweet during the season because it seems to be antagonizing the former survivors it seems to be that they're you know they're fighting with each other and i love it i would not say this but i feel like maybe i don't know maybe this isn't working well i i would tend to agree with you not only that i mean twitter first of all is just evil period it's close to my heart as pod vader it's evil (laughs) but but you guys have to sign contracts right non-disclosure contracts but you know when you go into this thing you're just you're just leaving yourself an opportunity to mess up and and say something that you're not supposed to say yeah and the idea of being on twitter like the survivors shouldn't be like uh like you know commenting on every move that happens on on the show or whatever 
You know, it really is not. That's not what it's supposed to be. And, and you know, CBS is spread very, is spread very thin. They don't have the resources to you know monitor what everybody's doing on on Twitter at this point in Survivor twenty eight. But you know, the idea is to sort of like get people excited about the show and not to get into fights and arguments with the with the former survivors. Like the reason why survivors should be on Twitter should be to say, hey, make sure watch Survivor or check out these picks, these new. Uh, you know, this new trailer or this new video, watch this secret scene, you know, stuff, stuff like that. It should be helping to promote the show and not really to antagonize the other survivors or to get into feuds with the other people. That's again, that's, that's not what it's for. I, I don't want to be like a, uh, you know, a, a stick in the mud about this. And again, it's fun. It's all fun for me. And I think that the history of me feuding with people on Twitter <laughs> is, is uh, very, very sparse. That's not, that's not my thing. So, I do think that the former survivors need to tone down the rhetoric a little bit. I think the current survivors need to realize they're lucky they're even allowed to be on Twitter. And, you know, let's let's stop with 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 all the feuding. Uh, that's would be my opinion as a non podcaster, as a guy who ha- talks about this every week. Please do it more. <laughs> hey, CBS, this one's for free. This oh. one's for free. Tell, yeah, I, tell all the current survivors they are not allowed to tweet. Then you pick out a choice few to live tweet during the show. Those choice few then get to join, oh, I don't know, some guy named Rob who has a podcast and do a special show around your show. Build up, build up excitement about each show. Make it an event and, and you'll get more people to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, I think maybe if I'm CBS, maybe I'm saying, uh, okay, here's, let me send a bulk email to the former survivors and say, hey guys, let's, let's, uh, tone it down a little bit. Remember, you were, you were a new survivor once too. And I think I'm sending a stronger worded email to the current survivors like, hey, you know, let's remember you guys are on Twitter for the reason we could shut down your Twitter if we want to. You guys are there to promote the show. So let's, let's not be getting into feuds with other people on Twitter. Exactly. Okay. All right. So let's go to this. Here's some other uh, survivors uh, tweeting from last night. So uh, Cliff Robinson was tweeting with Russell Hance. Russell Hance tweeted, Hey, Uncle Cliffy30, how about uh, this me and you party at the next uh, all- NBA All-Star game? Yeah. And uh, Cliff Robinson said, uh, hashtag no doubt. There you go. Wow. There you go. I would like to see that amazing race team. Isn't Russell Hance about as tall as I am at five foot six? I don't know. The first time I read this, I thought Russell Hans was asking, hey, Cliff, how about me and you uh, play in an all-star game? Yeah. NBA all-star game. <laughs> With Russell on his shoulders? Sure. <laughs> then we got something. Okay. So, uh, Coach, uh, of course, Coach was on the podcast last week. Got a lot of good feedback from people. Uh, Coach and Wu have been talking it up on Twitter. Uh, Coach said... To woo, hey, if you give me a katana lesson, I will be your assistant coach. Ooh. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Uh, so, and then, uh, and coach and uh, woo said, uh, hey, when, you, when you're in the OC, message me. I'd love to get a katana lesson and surf in. Take care, coach. What there if, you go. What if, Rob, we had an all amazing race survivor edition? We pair up former survivors, throw them out on the amazing race, see how they do. It's got to be you and Fishback, though. 
Sorry. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to go on the amazing race. I really don't. Um so uh Spencer Bledsoe uh tweeted uh Tony Vlachos moving to Solana means another week devoid of Spy Shack Entertainment. That's true. That was yeah. true. Yeah. Uh so Tony Vlacho says, Hey, just in case any of you are questioning the word strategical, please look it up. Hashtag team TV. So is strategical a word? Yeah. That's official? I think so. I'm you know, what is the difference between strategical and strategic? Um, that uh, one's an adverb and one's an adjective? I don't know. I'm making it up. Okay. I went to Emerson College. We didn't do English there. Oh, actually, <laughs> we did. Well, Tony is correct. A, a strategical is uh, pertaining to characterized by the nature of strategy. Uh, so it's important. So that Tony does have a point. I, th- but, I think it was just the way Tony said it made it sound funny. Yeah. So it is. <laughs> okay. It is. It is a word. So give, give Tony a point there. Sorry, Eliza. Okay. So then uh, Russell Hans uh, tweeted uh, to Cliff also said, hey, listen, brother, uh, that's what I thought. Give them credit because they beat us. Doesn't work like that in the bitter survivor world. So I don't know. Is Russell saying that he's a bitter person in survivor world or the other people are bitter? I think it's pretty obvious that Russell's a bitter person in the survivor world. <laughs> is it not? I, I think, ironically, <laughs> I think he's saying that other people are bitter, not that he's bitter. Once again, that would not surprise me coming from Russell Hans. <laughs> All right. Here's a good one. Uh, at uh, Vetus Yoga said, hey, I'd feel cheated, too, if a cop turned on me after I won him donuts at Coffee <laughs> 30. <laughs> That's well done. Well done. Yeah, we're, we needed Vetus at the roast with that. That was good. <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, Jeff Probst said, Hey, I'm glad you guys dug it. Why no roof at tribal? Just mixing it up. And no, I don't mind getting wet. Although it's clearly not my best look. Yeah. What is up with no roof at the tribal council? That doesn't mix seem to make a lot of sense. They're mixing it up. They were mixing it up. <laughs> that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Here's a question for you, Rob. You know, we saw them, you know, live through a pretty nasty rainstorm earlier this season. Would they shut production down if there was a life threatening type storm like a I think they typhoon? said they would. They would. I think they said that they would. Yeah. Hmm. That's almost um, disappointing. I I kind of want to see some people in life threatening <laughs> no. situations. Uh, let's do one more. Russell Hans uh, tweeted to Rob Sestrino and Stephen Fishback. If I ever play again, I'll make sure to ask YouTube brains for advice. Hashtag know it alls. But he spells know it alls. N O I T A L L S. And I know I know that's not in the dictionary. So uh, do you think he's being sarcastic or do you think he's being honest? <laughs> I don't know. So uh, so we know so because we know nothing. That's why we're the know it alls. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I don't know if Russell no was information. Being, I don't think Russell was being 100 percent there with you, Rob. I don't think Russell Hans gets into wordplay. Hmm. I don't think that's his MO. All right. I don't think well. he's into the puns and wordplay and all that stuff. Um, so we'll see. All right. Pod Vader. Fo- uh, follow uh, the real Pod Vader on Twitter. Is that right? That is correct. At the real Pod Vader. Rob, before we go. Yes. I, I have an indecent proposal for you. Okay. What is it? I want a podcast with your wife. Whoa. How dare you? <laughs> yes. How dare you, yes. sir? She is a. Me- I didn't know this would be a literal indecent proposal. <laughs> Don't take my words out of context. This is not the out of context. 
portion of the program. Why? What do you want to do with Nicole? She is a huge fan of the Goldbergs, and it is, in fact, one of the greatest scripted programs on television. You happen to have another podcast network called Post Show Recaps. Let's make this happen. The first lady of podcasting with the Dark Lord of the Pod. Okay, if you, I will talk to Nicole about this. I will present your offer to her: a Pod Vader, uh, Nicole Sistrino Goldberg's cast. I can guarantee you that Queen Padme would be in on this as well. Okay, all right. It's a fan, it's a double date. Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> I have to. Yeah. I have to put myself in the advantage advantage situation. Look at me trying to play wordplay i belong <laughs> hey belong in the not everybody's russell, russell hands, hands. <laughs> yeah exactly russell hands. all right well pod thank you so much uh for coming on pod uh do, that do you have a uh, a word that you want to uh give us since you are uh the king of getting to the end first i know this is gonna be strange because i'm not gonna be able to tweet this although i still need to listen to the denise portion of the program uh let's go with hashtag uh photobomb Photobomb, oh, yes. Yeah, hashtag photobomb. Yes, and because and, cause Zach is photobombing, but this isn't this part isn't going to be on video. Oh no! Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! So it won't matter. Yeah. Uh, now, How about hashtag hashtag know it alls? Use the Russell Hans. There you go. N o n o i t a l l s. Hashtag know it alls. Done. Done and done. All right. Jay, thank you so much. Okay. Rob, this has been a pleasure. Anytime. All right. Thanks. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Jay Stoderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader here on Rob Has a Podcast. So another fun Thursday. I feel like this has been a great, great season of Survivor so far. And I feel like the Survivor podcast has been on point uh, this season so far. So very, very good. Next Thursday, we're going to have another good one for you. We're going to bring back another one of my favorites. Marty Piombo joins us next Thursday on Rob as a podcast on March 27th. And then the first Thursday in April, everybody loved the Cody cast. So we're going to, we're going to give it another shot and we are going to have a Moret cast on the first Thursday in April uh, with Laura and Sierra. And that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So another great couple of shows coming up as well. I think this is really had um, a lot of great guests so far on this uh, new survivor season. So that's been really, really great. So we have a lot of shows coming up for you guys as well this week on Robin's podcast. Don't miss on Tuesdays and Fridays, our continuing coverage of big brother Canada, which has been very, very fun. Uh, You can catch that live every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And then we'll get back to Amazing Race uh, with our live show on Monday. And of course, I do a Sunday night wrap up and talk to whatever team gets kicked out on Mondays. And then over on the Post Show Recaps, that's my scripted TV podcast, which you can listen to at postshowrecaps.com. We did it with House of Cards Season 2, where we did 13 days of House of Cards. Game of Thrones is uh, winter is coming, and so is Game of Thrones. So to kick off Game of Thrones Season 4, we are doing 10 days of Game of Thrones Season 3. So for 10 straight weekdays, starting on Monday, we are going to do a Game of Thrones recap from Season 3. So we will recap all 10 episodes of Season 3 at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, at right at noon Pacific. At, that's going to be at postshowrecaps.com, kicking us off to Game of Thrones live on Post Show Recaps, 10, 15 p.m. on Sunday nights 
over on Post Show Recaps. And then also on robinsonwebsite.com, it's getting down to 12 people this week. So that means it's time to bring back in AJ Mass for our AJ Mass cast. That is going to be on Tuesday. Tuesday, I'm going to have that for you guys. So look for that. So there'll be a one more Survivor podcast this week before we get to our big Survivor show on Wednesday. And just one more thing before I check out here today in this podcast, I really want to extend a debt of gratitude to the patrons of Rob has a podcast. Uh, This week uh, was a very big milestone for me personally. So we recently had passed over $100 an episode in crowdfunding from the patrons of Rob has a podcast. And a goal that I had set, which I never thought we were going to reach, was that at that point, I was going to upgrade my computer, which was a Mac 2006 Mac Pro Tower, which I had been using for the last, you know, five or six years. I got it used at the time and I recorded about over 800 podcast episodes on that computer. And I probably would not have ever started a podcast without having that computer in my possession at the time. It was the first Mac that I had owned. And uh, this week, I replaced that computer. I got a new uh, 2013 iMac, which you can see on my desk in the live shows. And it is uh, phenomenal. I'm very excited. I've also made I made the leap to Adobe Audition, which I had been editing the first 760 podcasts in the history of Robin's podcast all on GarageBand. So that's been like a quantum leap and a learning curve that I've had to do. My old mixer that I had um, didn't work with that the fire the software wasn't the firmware and the mixer wasn't updated with Mavericks, so I had to get a new mixer. So I really have been trying to do this podcast like completely left-handed, where it's a new computer, new software, new mixer. So hope everything turned out okay. But I'm so appreciative uh, for the patrons who made this all possible. So thank you, thank you guys very very much. Uh, your all of the contributions you guys have made uh, do not go unappreciated. So thanks to uh, everybody who, who made this possible. I really, really, really appreciate it. So um, thanks so much. And so everybody have a great weekend. Uh, use the hashtag knowitalls with the Russell spelling to let me know if you made it this far. And really looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.